Welcome to episode 40 of the Brand Social Podcast. Today we're talking to Rich from Disaster. Enjoy the show. I see you have replaced Henry with an embroidery machine. <laughs> yes, yes, it's finally been... Um... It's finally bit. Oh, please, please don't tell me you're using the brother to do the hoovering as well. <laughs> no, it, su- it sucks at hoovering. <laughs> oh. oh, what a day. Hold on. I'm so far behind with my printing, it's unreal. Mm. You, yeah. you basically, you're basically just being me for a day. Yeah, I had to do some fucking work, mate. <laughs> I also had to do well. My vans. I've managed to get my van working again. So that's good. Oh yeah. Um, got the MOT on it today. So that's good. But um, yeah, everything's. I had to do my least favorite thing today, so I'm just um. Loading shit up. I'm getting. I normally have this already beforehand. I had to do my least favorite. I had to do my least favorite thing today, which is uh, buy a new phone. Which is my oh, least right. my least enjoyable thing to do. What I normally do is I uh, buy a phone, whatever the, the cheapest Samsung is, and then have that for four years, and then when that dies, buy another one. But I've only managed to get two out of this one. Oh, mm. I hate, hate shop buying a phone and having to set it all up. It's my least favourite thing to do, so I bought it and did I'm going to save did it. Did you go into a shop and do it? No, no, no. I, I oh, went I, I got it from, for that. got it from Argos. Other retailers are available. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I hate having phone contracts as well. So I just buy the phone outright and then I worry yeah. about, I worry about shit like that and I always buy the cheapest one. But this, mm. this is really well, that's what, that's what I've done with my latest contract. I, uh, my contract was coming to an end mm. and, uh, welcome to the phone social podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, my contract was coming to an end and, uh, I was like, uh, I could like do an early upgrade sort of thing to get a new phone and everything. That's what I've always done um, because I'm an iPhone bitch and iPhones, as much as I love them, just die prematurely. Mm. Um, So I always upgrade. But anyway, I was like, I'm fucking really skint. I need to like cut down on my outgoings rather than keep it the same or even just reduce it by a couple of quid or whatever. So I was like looking at these like upgrades and trying to like reduce my my outgoings at the same time and it was like every single phone was like oh your contract's going to be like 15 quid more a month for a new phone i was like how the fuck does that work um so anyway i was like you know what fuck it i'm gonna go sim only i'm gonna keep the phone i've got and i've got my fucking work phone as well which i haven't touched for like two years it's like a fairly new iphone as well and i was like so if my phone dies i can just switch over to this phone and my bill went from like 60 quid a month to like 18 pound. See, these are great tips for the listener. Just spend mm. less money. Yeah. I um I have I have only have three requisites for any phone. Any phone I own has to do these three things. Mm. Firstly, has to be small so it fits in my tiny little hands. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, it has to have has to have an SD card slot. Right. To like put my own shit on it. And thirdly. Hey, hey, Pav, 2005 yeah. called. They want the phones back. I know, a micro <laughs> yeah. And thirdly, and this is the most important one, it has to have a headphone jack hole. 
So mm. I had to go and I had to go and buy a Sony to do that now. Oh. And I thought I ordered the black one. Hold on, I'll show you. Set the table. I haven't set this up yet. I thought I ordered the black one, but I didn't. I ordered this um weird like. Can you see that color? It's like <laughs> turquoise green. <laughs> that just looked white to me. But it's got a it's got a headphone jack. Look, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. yeah. So exciting. Very and nice. I can spend a year making it look like the other phone. <laughs> hate I hate change. Just hate. You should just be. You should just be able to take the screen off and all the innards and just like swap it over so it's basically the same phone, but mm. the, the bits are different inside. Yeah, that probably already no, exists. Someone's probably already made that. Probably. I hate changing stuff. Ten-year-old Chinese child. Why is he so clever, that ten-year-old Chinese boy? It's probably because he's related to Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bless him! We have a website. We do. I'm going to go on it right now. Read out to me. What is it? Well, so yeah, for the listener, the. the, the, um, as you're aware, we've had nightmares um, for. We, although I think we d- we're about at the stage where we do need a website for the pod. Yeah, probably. Um, although I'm done with websites for a little while. Um, but yeah, so uh, as you're obviously aware, we had pretty massive issues with uh, Mine and Pab's brand rewind and getting the site up and running. Couldn't fix it. It was a fuck up between. Uh, the people we were using for the website and Google and they weren't communicating. Anyway, it wasn't something that was fixable. So we went ahead and bought a new domain. So the new website, which you won't be able to access the full site yet because it's in maintenance mode, but you can at least go and see the site where it says we're building our website is uh, rewindclo.com. So, yeah, not that there's anything to check I'm out. I'm going on but... there now. Yeah. We're working on our shop right now. Please check back soon. I mean, it's worth going just to look at that. Yeah. Because it's actually up. It's fucking bang. Quick wank. There are no, there are no quick ones, mate. <laughs> I just noticed something. Hold on. My thing's got a... What does this do? It's got a light on it. Hold on. That's better off. I've got a new thing that holds that my um, thing. The other thing we were talking about a little bit earlier as well wasn't it was uh doing some podcast um yeah we're gonna do some podcast merch yeah um i mean what i think what we want to do and kind of what the wheels are kind of already in motion with is doing a little summit summit for guests that we've had on yeah um we probably should have been on that a bit sooner really but yeah it it, it is what it is you know it's, we can backtake it. It's fine. Um, and then we also wanted to do, which might go into a... Uh, uh, where's the review plug? Um, <laughs> one of those, uh, which is we want to offer something to our listeners and subscribers who leave us a review. Um, quite what that is just yet, we're not sure. Um, could be a back rub from Pav. Steak dinner and a reach around. Yeah, could be. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'll I'll send you some socks I've worn after a day at work. Uh, <laughs> um, could be some stickers. Are we are um, we trying to get get more listeners or, or get rid of the ones we've already got? I'm just trying to get us onto some weird websites. <laughs> so expand the reach I'm, a bit more. I'm, I'm already on a few weird websites. I think. 
um just sort of say a little precursor as well as i have a cold just i'm gonna say you're a bit listeners you're a bit bunged up who gets a yeah. cold in july what the fuck's the matter oh, with fuck knows and i've fucking i i don't go out mm. but i don't know where i've caught a cold from so it's probably the dpd man yeah fuck you david oh don't say that he might be listening no he's lovely actually to be fair you should give him I'm a sticker. This, I've had the same DVD driver for like the last like eight years. Yeah, I've got I've got the same DVD driver. What's funny is my DVD driver, same DVD driver of my um friend I do the printing for. And every now and again, mm. he picks stuff up from me. Um, that and takes it to him. It takes it to him. <laughs> or, or like, or like he'll 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 I'll I'll be there when he's picking up from him, and he's like, the first time he did it, he looked at me, he's like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like. You know that stuff you pick up from me? You normally pick it up from here. He's like, well, I don't understand. <laughs> to explain that we work together. Oh, bless him. With him. Claudio, if you I listening. Had, I had that when I had the unit because he used to deliver some suppliers I just used to send directly to home because it was easy because somebody was always in. Mm. All my inks and stuff, I didn't want being left outside and all that. So I always used to get them sent to home. And uh, David, my DPD driver, he would like, he'd go past, because I very rarely used to get stuff delivered to the unit. Um, and uh, he'd drive past and he'd like stare at me like through the window and it was like I could tell what he was thinking he was like I recognise that cunt <laughs> and then, that, like, that's, that, that's that guy from Tintin isn't it <laughs> <laughs> such a cunt um, and then like a few weeks later he was like are you uh, are you ever at the other place like we, yeah I'm not going to obviously read out the fucking address Um I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, I thought it was you. I was going to pop in and say hello. I was like, you fucking should do. And then the next time he went by, he popped in for a coffee. Oh, that was <laughs> nice of him. Yeah. Oh, he's a lovely boy. I get on really well with him. He hasn't fucking lost any of my parcels, so. Can you do me a favour? What? Can you turn that ass colour box up the right way around? Because it's going to warm me up for the whole episode. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there, just like that. Please, <laughs> please don't. Can you turn it around? I'll turn it over. Yeah. <laughs> I can breathe now. That's perfect. Better. Mm. I noticed um, on the last episode you um you cut out the incredibly heinous thing I said, but left in the fact that I said that I had to, you'd have to cut that bit out. <laughs> Sorry, I just listener. Wanted to, just wanted the listener to message you to be like, what "Did you say?" <laughs> Sorry, listener. That is never gonna. It's never gonna hear the light, hear the light of day. Is that even a thing when it comes to podcasts? You're never gonna hear that. Basically, it's not gonna happen. Um, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah. Listener, now now we're alone. He's telling you about a very sad thing that's going on. Darcy has um got an in, a mainly incurable uh case of um round headitis. And uh it is it is effectively terminal, but there are, you know, some things that can alleviate his round headedness. Uh, one of those things is if you can do some likes and shares on the uh, Instagram, on the do some reviews on the Apple Apple podcast thing. I don't know what the fucking app's called. Just look, basically, he he doesn't he doesn't like me talking about this. Okay, roundheaditis has plagued him for years. Yeah, I mean he's got such a bowling ball head. I mean I mean he's even like he has actually had it where he's been bowling once. 
And because his head is so round and he's obviously got the two nose holes and the one mouth hole, someone actually thought he was a bowling ball. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um, and I think he got a strike by all accounts. So that was, you know, one silver lining. But yeah, his round-headedness is something we need to combat. So if you can like and share, it would really help. And it would help with the uh, affliction that he has. And he's back. <laughs> what have you been fucking saying? It's, it's, it's okay. You can air it. It's not too bad. It's a bit rambly, but you can air Are you it. sure? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Just tell them about um, something. Something I'll just tell them about a thing. Anyway, good guest today. Um, yeah, we've I'm got really a very, excited. very interesting guest. We've been um, trying to get this one on for a while as well, haven't we? We have indeed. Um, so we've got uh, we've got Richie from Disaster Inc., uh, formerly of uh, abandoned uh, abandoned ship. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we're getting him on as his uh, in his current form. Mm. Um, as his Asterink, and he is here like a Pokemon. <laughs> this is the evolved stage. Yeah. This is uh this is Richie's uh uh I can't think of any fucking Pokemon. This is the Raichu compared to the Pikachu of uh Yeah. Yeah. How'd you get hundred Pikachus on a bus? You Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> That's the, only, that's the only Pokemon thing I know other than that they exist. Oh, really quickly before I let him in. Um I'm just uh no, I won't do that actually. Um I uh I saw a a thread earlier and it was like this um th- this artist who does like Photoshop like sort of realistic fantasy images sort of things. Mm. And he takes like fictional characters and makes them realistic. And mm. he did this whole series of one with Pokemon, and it's like so many of it, so many of them are fucking terrifying. Yeah, I bet they it's are. Just like, yeah, it's it's not really the cute kids TV show anymore. <laughs> it's just like this is like fucking horror shit. Like they should make a yeah. horror version of it. I'd buy into yeah. that for sure. I'd fucking love like a fucking real like world like version of Pokemon, like a live action Pokemon movie. That'd be amazing. I tried to do it with Dragon Ball. Was it Dragon Ball Z? It was shit. Yeah, that was awful. Mm. That was properly awful. Mm. Maybe we won't go. Maybe we won't go for that. Yeah, maybe not. Let's leave it. Anyway, let's leave it untouched. Richie's here and waiting. So let's get him in. Hi guys. Hello. How's it going? Sorry, I always uh, start a call with nothing on. Just in case. We've all <laughs> seen the right. horror stories. What clothing? Uh, <laughs> on camera. So I went through a phase of having to do a lot of Zoom calls. So I've just always got it muted and always the camera off, just in case. So yeah. no, you're all right. You, you, yeah, you yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming along. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. No worries. It's all good. Um how's uh, how's things been going, mate? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm kind of uh, on the tipping point of an existential crisis, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, just day to day, it's quite nice. Live in Margate. Uh, I was on the beach today. I'm on the beach most days. It's nice. It's nice and relaxed. Happy so, days. 
Yeah, I, I, li- I lived in the beach myself, and I couldn't imagine living anywhere that anywhere inland now. Yeah, I, I never did it until this year, and I don't know why. Uh, being five minutes from the beach is amazing. Like, and it's, it's quite easy to be five minutes from the beach in the UK as well. It's yeah. not difficult, is it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, depending on what weather you want. Like, But I got promised amazing weather down here. Well, compared to Scotland, it is amazing. But yeah. <laughs> uh, it's still not great. I suppose this is the mm. worst summer they've had in years. But, I mean, it's fine. It was and, nice today, wasn't it? A nice day today? A bit of sun. Uh, well, so yeah. Margate's like right on the end. Mm. I call it the big toe of England because it's kind of like just kind of out past everything. So it just hits, gets a lot of like weird weather. There's Our last guest swarm. said that where he lived was the armpit of England. Maybe we want to, we're, we're doing a body part <laughs> tour of the UK, guest yeah. by guest. The anatomy of the UK. I think the, I think the big toe is maybe a, a bit more of a compliment than uh, yeah. the armpit anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Mummy, um, where was it in Scotland you were before? Uh, I've been all over Scotland, um, but most recently I was in Glasgow. Um, but I'm originally from uh, Dundee, so um, a lot of people who've been following what I've done for the last 12 years probably know me as a Dundonian or a Glaswegian, but technically a Dundonian. Now you're a Margatian. Is that what they're I called? I, uh, well, I guess. I actually don't know. Probably. Though I'm still very much Scottish living in England. Yeah. Oh, do, you so, feel, do you feel that way, do you? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, a lot of people think I'm American because my accent's really weird because uh, I've travelled a lot and lived in a lot of different places, so my accent was kind of um, destroyed by uh, people taking the piss out of it when I was younger. Because um, I'm Scotland's... This is really boring. Scotland's dialects, colloquialisms are all very different. I moved from Dundee to Glasgow, Glasgow to Edinburgh, Edinburgh to Dundee, Dundee to Aberdeen, and back to Glasgow again, all within the space of a couple of years. And uh, each city would take the piss out of my accent wherever I went until it kind of <laughs> became this amalgamated Scottish accent. And then I lived in London for a year working on Carnaby Street uh, in a shoe shop, and I was dealing with tourists all the time. So my accent, my, the way I speak got really slow and deliberate because that's how you have to speak to tourists. Um, and since then, it's just kind of the default accent because I speak to people from all over the place, so it's just kind of easy to keep this going um once i've had a couple of drinks i was about to say when you've had a beer yeah. <laughs> if i've been deep for too long or in glasgow for too long i've had some drinks it gets mm. very you know goes very scottish my, my but... other half says that to me all the time like when I, whenever i get around any of my northern friends and it's like the yorkshire starts to really come out yeah and it's yeah. just like <laughs> yeah you, it's you start hearing the twangs and like the the, the, yeah. the terminology and stuff and you're like yep been here too there's, long there's some too things years. i'll never use lose like saying like grass and bath and stuff like that yeah. but like it's the the general kind of dialect around it and stuff and everything that uh kind of disappears on a day-to-day like so i mean I, I'm, I'm in the south of england like i'm in sussex yeah um so it's like yeah there's not really anybody down here from like yorkshire that i know of anyway <laughs> like, no know? well that's it i've only met a couple of scottish people down here i, I mean i live with a couple of scottish people but Beyond that, a couple of Scottish people. Um, mm. So, yeah, my accent has just gone very, very not that Scottish at the moment. So, When I, when I was having some building work done in the house, one of my neighbours a few doors along, he's actually recently passed away. So, it was that story. But 
he's so, he's so Irish. Like he's the most Irish person I've ever met. Irish to the point where I can't understand like what he's saying, and I'm pretty good at tuning in, and I couldn't understand what he's saying. And he came round one day when we were having a bit of building work going on, and he came up to me and went, and I went, Frank, so what's that? He went, so you want to borrow it? Yeah, I want to borrow it, I want to borrow it. And I was like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah. And I thought he said, I want to borrow a ladder. So I've gone in the garage, <laughs> pulled this ladder out, and I've given him the ladder. And he's looked at me, rightfully confused. And I've gone, is that not right, Frank? And he went, no, no, no. I wanted to buy a fucking bucket of sand. <laughs> he just, he just yeah. wanted a bucket of sand so he could, knock, he could knock up some pug to do some bricks. But I heard that as, can I borrow a ladder, please? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he's more of a dick in that situation. <laughs> no. I mean, you, mate. I, I think the, the hard part is, after you've asked him to repeat himself a couple of times, you're kind of obligated to be like, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. That, that's exactly that what instance, happened. Yeah. It's like if you, you don't get somebody's him. name, it's like <laughs> if they're saying it in a weird accent, it's just like, no, I give up. I'm just going to call you mate from now on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, should we get into the pod stuff? Um, yeah. So I, usually before we get into this type of conversation, I say, before we get started, do you want to introduce yourself and your brand? Um, but as we've already started, do you want to introduce yourself and your brand? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Rich. I am the owner and artist of Disaster Incorporated. Uh, people may know me previously from Abandoned Ship Apparel, uh, which I started in 2011 and left last year. You're a seasoned pro at this, aren't you? I am 12 years deep into this world. I have seen it change vastly numerous times, and I was not expecting to be in this situation right now. When I uh, stepped away last uh, September, I was pretty sure I was never going to uh, make apparel again or have a business again. And uh, here I am. So... That's I mean, that's... 12, 12 years is many, many lifetimes in the garment trade. Yeah, it is. It's actually quite interesting because I look at my peers through those years. That rhymed. Uh, and it's interesting to see what stage they're at, how long they've been in it, my relationship with them, if they're still going, if, you know, because when I started, it was a very different world. Um, you know, it was like the honor over glory era. Um, and then I've kind of see it transition through, like we started at the same time as Hype. Now Hype are doing some crazy stuff. We started at the same time as Represent. Um, both of those brands were alongside us at conventions and events. And they're, you know, complete, doing completely different things. Uh, and massively successful. But then there's other brands that weren't as, weren't as lucky and, and their owners are off doing different things now. And then, you know, there's like the next generation, the next generation, you know, the, the bad Mondays um, who came in when the algorithm started kicking in and advertising started kicking in. And it's really interesting to see what point people started, mm. how they're how they're doing and, and, and how their business grew within the environment, because the environment has constantly changed pretty much year on year since I was part of it. Um, so, yeah, it's. It's uh, I, I probably am 
somewhat of a grandfather in this at the moment. I think I've been doing it for longer than most people I know. Um, it's a really difficult thing to do as well, because particularly over an extended period of time, because what tends to happen, I think, with, with brands, especially brands I've dealt with and ones you see come and go, is that they strike on like a moment in time and they and they mm. just happen to be chiming with how things are going, how, how like the fashion's going, and like trends or whatever. And then they last for a bit, but then their sort of brand dies out when either the trend dies out or when their audience no longer associates with that trend and then they sort of go. So to be to go through that multiple times, like even within this probably a two year period, you could have four or five different changes and things like that is a really unusual perspective to have. Yeah. And I mean, we had to, well, I, I had to reinvent the wheel and, and you know, the, the brand went through very specific changes and went through very clear eras to me um, from the offset. You know, the first, our first big step, as you mentioned, um, you know, finding that like that moment in time was the upside down cross t-shirt. That was what projected us 12 years ago, 12 and a half years ago um, into sort of maybe the populace, uh, the alternative scene anyway. Um, and that was around the time that While She Sleeps were doing their band merch, their big logo on the front. And, you know, there was a point where pretty much any kid either had the Upside Down Cross t-shirt or they had the While She Sleeps t-shirt. Um, and then we went into wholesale and we were in Topshop, we were in ASOS, we were in Foot Asylum, oh, we were in ARC, mad. which is no longer there. Um, and then we went through a liquidation and then I took it over and it became very much like my journey. I was talking about social issues that I felt were important, um, mental health. And then it flipped again. And the, uh, the vibe was um, the bars for a long time. Um, and I felt like throughout all of that, I kind of achieved everything I could possibly have achieved with abandoned ship it kind of seemed to have had so many iterations because there's so many like small microcosms within that we had stores we had a store in london we had a store in glasgow we had a store in dundee um i was the owner of barbershops for a period of time coffee shops and it was all associated it was all part of this sort of ecosystem that we were building over the course of the last 12 years um and yeah and it's it was it was kind of crazy to kind of keep having to think of or not even keep thinking of but like keep thinking of that as the same business because the business that was on ASOS was not the same business that was uh opening bars but it was but it, it, there was a journey under there the, like, under I, the I was, same I was, umbrella sort of thing yeah I was I was 20 well I was 25 when Abandoned Ship started um and I had a bit of you know as all 25 year olds do, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, a bit of an ego. Uh, I like to drink all the time. And over the course of 12 years, you know, your priorities change and, and the business changed with it because um, I was doing different things. And I, I, there was different things that were important to me. Um, and that re is reflected, especially when I became the permanent sort of um, artist that did the majority of the work that became very apparent because of the stuff that I was talking about or wanting to talk about through the to, through the apparel um so the abandoned ship of 2011 is a very was a was a very different abandoned ship to 2021 and it's different to disaster as well disaster is is, is its own thing um entirely um it's hard to talk about disaster without talking about abandoned ship because that's 
probably. Yeah. So would yeah. you say like you, you left? You, you said you left the band ship and you had no intention of of then having another apparel business. Mm-hmm. What what made you then? What what was disaster born out of then? Is it like a phoenix thing where you just burnt yourself I, out and then disaster rose out of it, or was it just uh, you got bored? No, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I went and got a real job. Um, I was... You hated it, didn't you? <laughs> and you hated it. <laughs> no, actually, I enjoyed it. I was working for a... a create. Uh, I was working for a, a tech company in America, um, mm. out in New York. But I was working remotely, so I was over here. I got to travel. I got to do some really, really cool stuff. Um, I got it for stability and for some security because I've been self-employed for 11 years at this point. Um, and I was like, this is it. This is really cool. I'm putting all this stuff to good use. Um, and unfortunately, um, I was one of the people who were affected by uh, the tech industry's issues at the moment. And I was made redundant in January. Um, so I had a good six month run with those guys. Um, still on good terms with them. It was a great company to work for. It showed me uh, a lot. Um, and it was exactly what I needed at that time. But I basically put my eggs in that basket. Decided to move to Margate because um, I could work remotely and we wanted to change and we fell in love with the place. The week after we decided to do that, I was made redundant um, and I was like, shit. And at this point, I was offline. I'd been off my social media um, accounts for a few months. I was really enjoying it. Um, I didn't plan to come back online. I didn't plan to do anything sort of not in the public eye because that makes it sound as more, but, you know, social media public eye. Um, and all of a sudden I had to basically find a way to bring an income in. So I just, I, I decided to become a freelance artist. So I was creating art again um, for other people, but it, you know, it takes time when you sort of have to restart those cogs and make the connections again um, and put yourself out there for work. So disaster basically was born out of needing a routine and needing something to keep me sane because I was constantly hunting for uh, freelance work and I, was, and I wasn't planning for disaster to be anything beyond let's make some t-shirts and put some art out there and use this as an example to get some extra work and to do some cool stuff. Um, if I'm going to be on social media, I might as well do talk about something that's not just posting my fun little outfits that I like to wear. Um, and the reaction was incredible. Um, I didn't have a great relationship with social media when I left it. Um, I wasn't really enjoying it. Um, I kind of let the negativity get a hold of me. But coming back online was such a very positive experience. Um, a lot of people were happy to see me, which was quite nice, um, and happy to see that I was creating again. Um, and... Exact opposite of when I go online. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just some some people are not happy to see me, but uh, <laughs> but the 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 overall the overall response was was positive. Um, and, you know, putting out that I wanted to do stuff again and speaking to my suppliers and to my peers. Um, I've, I'm lucky enough to speak to a lot of people in the industry um, and I have really good relationships with all these people. And I was kind of like bouncing the ideas around and it kind of just took a lot on a life of its own very quickly and became its own thing um, massively quickly. I, I launched, so I was made redundant on the last day of January. I spent 10 days in February designing an entire collection, some of those pieces that haven't even been released yet. I think I designed like 30 designs in 10 days. And then I launched my first t-shirt on March 1st and sold out uh, in like eight hours. Um, and since then, 
the business has continued to grow. Um, I've just today been in my best month so far with like 12 days to go. Just launched my first big collection yesterday. I am about a week away from being uh, profitable after four and a half months. And uh, good. Yeah, well, this is but this is the problem. This is the problem. This is why I'm having a existential crisis uh, because this wasn't supposed to be a business. This feels like I'm on a hard rebound after getting divorced. Um, Mm. Like I was planning to give myself some time and do some uh, art for other people, and just you know, this was going to be a a hobby. And all of a sudden, I'm now thinking about uh, limited companies and fat registering and setting up a post office account because I, I still I pack orders myself handwrite them and take them to the post office every day um, mm. because I wanted a back door when I started this um, the plan very much was I can pick it up and put it down whenever I want if I want to release a t-shirt this week I can but then if I don't do anything for two weeks no one's going to miss it and everyone's going to have their orders it's going to be fine now I'm at the post office five times a week I was there I was at the post office twice today um, and it's kind of like a, it's already a moving train that I can't get off. So, is it is it sort of crept up on you? Well, but what quickly crept up on you? But yeah, well, I mean, as I say, it's been four and a half months since I started the business. That's um, insane growth in four and a half months. Like, so you got, my, yeah, you know, people wild. people can go years without sort of getting that sort of traction. Obviously, you've got a background which helps. But yes, I, I was lucky enough that I had a platform to use, and I think that that's mm-hmm. a that, that's a massive thing because you know if I'd started with zero followers and, and no one to reach out to, like no, no one within that ecosystem knew who I was, then mm. it would be exceptionally difficult. Luckily I had um, a bunch of goodwill associated with what I'd been doing for the last um, decade, uh, the products I'd been putting out, um, the conversations I'd been having. So um, I was very lucky that when I was, when I did come back out to do something, there was uh, people who were excited to see it and who have supported that business. Um, and since then I've, I've, for somehow managed to have growth on social media which has been phenomenal because um for a lot of people that's a, an exceptionally hard thing to do and for the most part it's been organic i only started doing adverts for the last two months um because again i didn't want to uh restrict myself and feel like i was cornered um into continuing to do something that i didn't want to do um but i i it's, I'm making it sound doom and gloom. I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm loving creating like the stuff that I'm creating at the moment, I think is some of the nicest things I've I've done and some of the weirdest things I've done, which is recapturing some of the stuff, some of the spirit that I maybe had lost over the last couple of years. Um, because when you're running a business and you've got employees and you've got tax bills and you've got overheads and you've got rent and you've got all this, you have to be commercially minded. And sometimes you don't get to make what you want to make because you have to make what, people want to buy and when you've yeah, been a business for 12 sell. years mm. yeah do you, do you think the six months that you did uh, in a different industry is what refreshed you enough to be able to do this do you think if you hadn't done that you wouldn't be you wouldn't have the energy to do what you're doing now yeah I don't I, I think if I had stepped away from abandoned ship and stepped straight into disaster I wouldn't it, I wouldn't uh, it would have lived up to its name <laughs> yeah, I would it would have probably just pit, pitted out I think um like, I mean it wasn't a very long time I was away like in the grand scheme of things but I think you know that that break was good for sort of everything um and I think de- definitely for me because it let me do something else which I, I love doing um 
but there was aspects of oh i do miss doing this like i, I was designing hawaiian shirts and stuff while i was working for them and um that i was like oh, i'll never make this but it's cool to make a, a you know a repeat pattern that i can have as my wallpaper on my phone or something like that um mm. but i think the the time away let me think about it but also the freedom of there was no expectations to the business that was probably what's driven it more than anything the fact that i didn't feel like okay well i have to sell this many t-shirts today because i have to pay this because i have to do this because this is going to happen it was okay i've sold this many t-shirts that means i've got this much to buy this many t-shirts or to do this product i want to make this product because it doesn't exist make it okay i've made that much money what am i going to buy now do that and I, I, that's how i built it up i basically put every single penny I've made back into the business to buy new stock and to do, to create new things. Um, I think I've created 60 or 70 products in four and a half months. <laughs> that's um, insane, isn't it? Yeah. And they're but not that's... like simple things either. Are they? Like, so a lot of your work is incredibly detailed. It's not just like, Oh, it's a drawing. It's going on this and it's done. Like there's, there's a lot of effort that goes into what you're doing. Yeah, we've just, so I just launched um, my first bunch of cut and sew stuff, which was, you know, completely designed from, you know, top, top end to bottom end. Um, because a lot, a lot of stuff I use um, uh, for the blanks, I'll, like when we first launched, I was using uh, Fruit of the Loom and I just, in the neck label, I just printed Fruit of the Doom. And I was very clear because <laughs> um, that's another thing about this business is I'm, I'm very transparent about how I started the term, like, I do a report card every month for the, so the customers know. I was, I was hoping you touched on that because I've never seen any other brand do that. And it's it's unnervingly transparent. It's it's an extension of what I was doing with Abandoned Ship to a degree because with Abandoned Ship, I always like to shine a light on certain aspects of that business. But with when you, as I say, when you have responsibilities, employees and, and business partners in some uh, at some points during that career, um you can't be as as transparent because there's other people there there's other voices and you know you're what i'm saying is my truth but it might not be someone else's truth you know or or they might not feel comfortable sharing that information whereas it's just me and it's just me selling some t-shirts i can go okay well cool well you know i increased by eight percent this but the conversions dropped why is this and then i have i can have a conversation with people and explain why i think it's happened and what i want to do to write the ship and stuff like that so that's been really fun to do um and i lost so my train that, of when i was talking about that um obviously this kind of chat we're having like we obviously want it to be more orientated to what you're doing now rather than what yeah. you've done in the past but it's all part of your journey yeah was those kind of i guess structures that were in place with abandoned shit did that make you lose a little bit of the love for it then no I, it's not fair to say i lost love for it because of those things but it does sometimes restrict certain aspects of what you want to create um sort of again complete transparency last year i went through a really difficult period at the beginning of the year um because i was uh, the creative director of abandoned ship bars um and they got some negative press because the uh people who were running the bars weren't running the bars very well um, and the staff were upset and the press decided that it was up to it was down to me um, I was the fault, uh, even though I didn't have access to the day-to-day -day operations, payroll, anything like that. Um, I was literally um, the one who made the place look cool. I went and got drunk and, and you know, did customer service and, and, and encouraged people to, to visit the bars um, and did the social media. That was my role. Um, but because I was the face and the way I look, 
Um, it was easy for the uh, the press to grab a hold, um, and they called me a tycoon, which is pretty fun. Um, <laughs> during it, which is hilarious, oh. and I, I was, you know, I was, I was, a, I was a ten percent shareholder in it. I didn't have any access to any of this, uh, to any of the stuff that they were saying was was wrong, and I actually stepped in and tried to fix it, and 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 did some good with it. But the problem was that at the time I couldn't talk about it openly because there was not just my voice, but there was 70 other employees and there was right. business partners and there was other people. Yeah. And if I come out and go, well, I didn't, I didn't do that. Fuck, guys, fuck off. I didn't do that. Um, then it affects other people and there's a snowball effect. It was very much like you are, you are mm. leading a team. You are like, even if it's symbolically at that point, you have to be a professional and you have to like accept what's happening and try and fix it internally so externally I couldn't really do much I just had to take the heat internally I was able to make some changes before ultimately I left and they ultimately closed the bars after I left um have they all so, shut now then uh there's one still open I have nothing to do with it um I said st- like they they were yeah, they asked asked me politely to 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 leave and at that point I was quite happy to uh to accept that um and that, that was that it was on that day that i decided to close well to step away from abandoned ship i actually uh passed abandoned ship apparel on to um one of my ex-employees who's who's operating it now um and i've just yeah. left them to it i don't i don't get involved in um anything to do with it anymore um i've got it's fond really- memories of abandoned ship and i kind of want to just enjoy where i yeah. took it where i got it to and then step away from it um, no, it's really interesting that that's informed these like like the report card things that you do because it's i it, i guess it has i guess it has i i mean one of one of my uh well you, you must that, do because you're basically laying out what you're in control with it's almost like a, a a course correction even though even though it wasn't like you your issue in the past you know what i mean mm-hmm. it was like you're like going well this is actually this is what i'm in control of and you're making it so if anything anything in the future you can go look this I, I'm in control of all of these things. This is what I've done. I've been open about but, it. Look, you know what? I didn't. I didn't actually think about it that way. But you're probably right. It probably is a little bit of a trauma response. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm completely honest. No, it's not, in a, not in a bad way. But <laughs> no, it's. I mean, it's it's a it's a good thing to do because I think that I think it, you're probably right. It was, probably was a sense of uh, there was a lot of people who were making assumptions who probably don't know anything about business and mm-hmm. making assumptions yeah. based on what they'd read uh, about me. Um, and now with this, I'm probably going. Well, if you're going to read something, let's let's start from the let's start from the go ahead, like the go and be like, okay, well, this is what I've done. You know, everyone's paid pro forma. This is this. This is this. This is this. Like, there's no issues anywhere with anything. There's no staff. It's just me. If someone's angry, it's just me. So it's kind of that thing of going. The external drama or external issues have caused me a lot of pain. So let's just keep it all, like one man and again this is probably why i'm having this ex- existential crisis because the business has become something now where i'm like do i want this because there's still maybe a bad taste in my mouth from last year um even though it's a very positive i'm having a very positive experience with it so far well i think the, the report cards in particular really play into the authenticity of what you're doing yeah, I was because bring that up. there's no way that anyone could turn around and say Oh, he's just doing it, doing it for the money, did it for that. Mm-hmm. When you're putting that information out there, like that is the inf- that is information of someone who loves what they're doing. Yeah. There's no, and you can't fake that. That is that's hard data. 
I appreciate that. And the, and the thing is, when that that data is you know a hundred percent accurate, almost to the point of like too like too accurate. Like I I I stop short of actually seeing my turnover because I think that that's maybe a little bit too much, just mm. in the sense of yes, was yeah. It's just it's not. I don't know. This maybe is maybe an old fashioned thing, but it feels a little bit uncouth. Well, nobody else needs to know that. Well, exactly. It's and it's it, there's a growth, but like, and the thing is, that there has been a, a, a substantial, like, you know, there's been a growth at each month. But as soon as there is a, a drop, I'll still talk about the drop. I'll yeah. still talk why yeah. I think that happened, what happened. You know, the, there might become a period in like six months where it's actually quite difficult to do a report card because it's like, mm. well, actually, year on year, this has happened, this has happened. I haven't done this, so this is why. But then I think that's important for people to know because. With abandoned ship, um, I found that it was a three-year cycle of trade. You had a great year, you had an okay year, you had a bad year, you had a great year. It kind of just went that way, and like I could see the cycle happening again. Um, like last year was last year was uh, it was okayish, but it was a bit of a struggle, and I could see it's. The, the the cycle coming back up again and the uh the rent on our warehouse was about to be renewed and stuff and it just felt like the right time to step away because i could almost see the next three years ahead of me ahead of me and i was like do i want this and i didn't mm. um but with disaster it's a different thing so i'm like well there's no expectations now you know i have a, a studio that is tiny um that's you know a couple hundred pounds a month that i can if I don't, if I don't need it in six months, you know, I can find someone else to take that studio space on. Yeah. Um, I don't have there's there's no plan to ever have any debt with this business. Um, everything will be paid up front, day like from day one to the day we close. Um, I I would like to not ever hit the fat threshold, but that's not down to me. That's down to like the way that the business goes. If we hit the fat threshold, then you know, twenty percent of every sale will go to the side, and it'll just it'll be sorted. Like I do, I want to keep it so that there's no stress and there's no confusion about it because I have worked in the wholesale world where you're giving ASOS stock and they're taking 120 days to pay you. Yeah, and you have to have a factoring company because you need to pay the warehouse uh, the factory, so you need to borrow money from a bank. We do invoice financing and shit like that. And so they take a percentage yeah. and then you know it's all this stuff and i'm just like it's too much mess and it's there's too much going on with it mm. um yeah with, I, with this, I struggled I just... that with i struggled with that a bit when we when we went that registered came limited and then went that registered and we became VAT registered because we were told by our accountant we were going to hit the VAT threshold mm. and we basically came like five grand short of the VAT threshold and i was just like really <laughs> and then but then like the print shop started picking up and we basically got a lot of clients on board that more or less insisted on only working with print shops that were VAT registered because obviously they can reclaim the VAT. And I was kind of just like, we're not really anywhere near the VAT threshold, but if I get rid of it, we're going to lose all these clients. So I'm kind of like stuck with it now. And it's like, yeah, oh, it's it's a fucking pain in the ass a lot of time because my my brain doesn't work that way. Mine's just like, oh, this is the money we've got in. Not like, oh, this is the money we've got in. But I need to take 20% of that and put it over there to keep it safe. There yeah. are times that I've forgotten and then got a VAT bill and been like, oh, fuck. I've got to pay <laughs> that now. <laughs> and I'm not lie. You're not alone in that because I guarantee, you know what, you'll know when that season, like, you know, when the VAT war is coming because everyone's in sale. 
-hmm. No one is yeah. the end here because everyone's in sale because everyone's mm -hmm. running to get to fit those uh, uh, hit those bills. Um, yeah, you could probably even go into further detail of it and find out when people's end of year is because uh, they'll be going into sale to try and even clear stock or or get money to pay cap uh, corp tax and stuff like that. Um, yeah, like when you're aware of that stuff, you're you become high, like acutely aware. You're like, oh yeah, okay, you're in sale. Okay, that's yeah, that's odd oh, stuff. Yeah. What, what the fuck does this mean for DFS? The poor people. <laughs> How big is their tax bill? Well, that's a that's a that's a whole that's a whole different thing. Um, I I did no I did a, a a no sale rule in abandoned ship for a year because sale almost as well it it, it was after the liquidation it it basically did destroy the business that and then the wholesale market <clears throat> led us to uh, the liquidation because our running costs were so high so we had to create cash. The quickest way to create cash is promotion. So what you do is you keep going in promotion because you keep having to uh, to make money, and then your customers stop buying your product full price. So yeah. what was a thirty pound t shirt? You're not selling that for over twenty pounds. So all of a sudden you've just taken ten pounds off your profit. So very thirty three percent of your profit's gone on that garment. So I did no sale for a year, and it sucked because you know when you need to make money, you don't have that easy tap. Mm -hmm. um, but what it did was it reinstilled, uh, you know, people's confidence in the business that, you know, they're going to buy something full price and it's not going to go straight into the sale. Um, and that's something I did that six or six years ago. And that's something that I've always kind of held on to, whereas I don't do many sales anymore. I try to limit promotions, but I still do them because they are still good to either get rid of X, you know, uh, old stock or and also to reward customers because not every customer can afford a 20 or 30 pound t-shirt so mm, they might have yeah. had their eye on that for four weeks i mean i do that i i have my eye on stuff and i'm like cool i know it's going to go into the sale so if it goes into the sale i'll buy it but um i do wonder how far it would go if people if there was like almost a flip side of this and you had like rather than having like a black friday sale or, or like a boxing day sale or whatever have for those two days you make your product slightly more expensive and then you donate the amount over to charity people do that i reckon that i reckon i reckon that would work i i if there was a, a genuine a genuine like brand or that did that and i like their stuff i would quite happily wait and pay more for it on black friday if i knew some charity were gonna, so gonna i've seen a out. bunch of businesses do something similar in the sense that they um they don't put the price up but they do say that you know if you buy something today the discount we would have put on that 20 percent will go to Mm. Um, a cause that we believe in um and i think that is good because you know it's hard to be on your high horse about consumerism when you own a clothing company but i am always acutely aware of how much i'm putting out there and plastic consumption and stuff like that so you've you know you've got to always be a little bit aware of it in that sense um yeah so and and you know it's selling something for under its value is is, is only going to exasperate uh, it already just becomes a race system. to the bottom. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's the same, it's the same, in, same in our industry. I mean, Pav is, you know, screen printers and that. And we see like loads of print shops all the time that are, you know, obviously just undercutting competition and stuff. And it's like, I don't know. They, they a, a lot of people that I've spoken to in the past that are really fucking cheap, but too cheap in my opinion. It's like, yeah, but if if I did that, I wouldn't get customers. 
And it's just like, we're obviously targeting the wrong kind of fucking people then. It's kind of like people that want cheap printing and cheap clothes and everything like that aren't the people that, and I'm putting my business head on here, but aren't the type of people that are going to make your business profitable. No, no, you need, you unless, need to Unless you're fucking what, Primark. Yeah, you need to understand what fair value, fair value of, your, of your, you know, of your work is. Like, yeah, you can't not equate the manpower into, even if it's just hmm. you, you have like, to, yeah, for sure. You can't because we all we all know how you know business works. You buy a product for less than you sell it for. You know, you have a cost price, you have a retail price. But again, and this is why I do the report card and kind of explain stuff because a lot of people sometimes forget that within that margin, you've got not just you know your bills and the stuff that and the, and tax and the stuff mm. that people expect. You've also got the hours you put into it. You know, a, yeah. a design might take me a couple of days to design. But also on top of that, I'm going to the studio, writing, writing out your name on uh, your address on the piece of paper, you know, packing your order, taking it to the post office. Like there is a there is a value to my to my time to do that. Yeah, um, if that's a pound or or whatever it is, it's still in there. Um, I think that's where a lot of people come unstuck when they have these brands. They don't factor in anything like that. And what happens no. is they feel like they're doing loads of work and the sales might be good. But they're not making really any money because they're giving away so much of their time that they're doing stuff for free. Mm-hmm. And people, well, you see, you a little see bit the of knowledge goes a long way. <laughs> you see the mm-hmm. polar opposite of that as well, where you get new brands that come out and, you know, you bought out like, bought up like Represent earlier. And they're an example of a brand who do things really well. They're pricey for a streetwear brand, but they do that side of the market really well. And people look at brands like Represent, for instance, and go, oh, I'm going to start a t-shirt brand and start selling t-shirts for 90, 100 pound and just sit yeah. back and watch the money roll in. And they probably don't realize how much work has gone into that. Like, you know, yeah. you, know were, you said you were, you were alongside them at uh, fucking events and shit like that. They were working like, their ass off years before anyone time. had heard of them. Like, exactly. They were, they, were in, they were in Paris selling stuff um, at, at shows years before the iteration of represent that you know people know now like and with the with the um uh, fashion runways and stuff um and it's a it it, it shows that like yeah you can't uh, i know I'm, I'm saying here i'm going you can't just start a business and then it's it works like uh, disaster is doing that but that's because of the previous 11 years mm, yeah i have a route i have a route to market like i know how shopify works exceptionally well i have a t-shirt supplier i have um a cut and sew supplier i have uh, a laser guy i you know i have these people i have good relationships with them i know what i'm ordering i know how to order it i know what will work because i've got that experience i've got a platform on social media already that all came over the last decade that wasn't there mm. um just overnight that took it wasn't handed to you like you that, that was blood sweat and tears yeah. that got into that like i i i quit my job to do a bandership full time with um like three thousand followers on instagram that's how different the world was mm-hmm. uh, yeah. when i quit my job i think i went self-employed 11 years ago um because it was a different world hmm. now i would worry about anyone quitting their job until well it's not about social media following but it's about you know consistent sales but yeah, yeah. um it's that kind of thing of just um it doesn't come like it's not just print a t-shirt and then you'll make money from it there's so much mm-hmm. there's so many more elements to it um and even when people ask me about starting a brand i'm like i would struggle to start a brand just at zero 
now mm. because yeah. the game the, the the game has changed so much with uh, advertising and the algorithm and everything like that that mm. I'm I am a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to some of that stuff. I'm well, I mean, that, that, that's why we've noticed look, with a lot of our guests in particular, and you know, a few people I deal with, they're actually pushing away from social media more now and they're going towards either aiming to get a shop somewhere or doing pop-ups or markets or whatever it's almost come full circle again where people are going out and selling selling their stuff on the, on the street sort of thing which is actually quite funny because when we started um that was how people were selling stuff like they, people would have a big cartel store we started with a big cartel mm. and on tumblr uh, instagram wasn't a thing when we started um but the circuit was very much you made your money at festivals and at gigs mm, yeah. Um, and at nightclubs there was I can't remember the, the name of the brand now but there was a brand that was sort of at every single one of them and they were like the big one but they never really transitioned to um, online sales mm. whereas we came just at the right time for online sales so we were kind of in that world we you know our first sale ever with a band ship was um, in America no really and amazing we pretend we pretended we were a bigger deal than we were like mm. We, it was literally three boxes on a trolley in my bedroom. Me and my business partner at the time we were living together. And we'd wheel it out and pack orders. Um, we just had a Tumblr. We, we we spent our money on three designs of T-shirt, 25 of each of them, and a dot-com. We mm. built a website of, of, via Big Cartel, and we just pretended that we had been doing it for a long time. Um, and we knew what we were doing. Slightly simpler times then, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah yeah you know we were taking ikea bags of t-shirts to the post office on our lunch break um mad isn't it and it's just that's yeah that's kind of where it started and it's and it would be almost impossible to start a business like that now because everyone can have a dot-com you know immediately you can go yeah. to a million websites and and you know the, the hardest thing is finding a dot-com that still exists like yeah. you can just buy finding one that works that isn't nine grand for a year or whatever like yeah finding something that i mean that's so sort of you got to be really careful about what you pick like brand name wise now as well haven't you? you you can't pick something that's a word that someone else is going to want to have as a yeah well i'm i love uh, i love naming businesses and projects and, and working on that stuff so as soon as i come up with anything i always google it first where, where did it. the name come from for disaster <laughs> so this, is, this is actually quite a good story uh, all your hope... stories have been good so far <laughs> so when i was 21 i was living in london this is when I was living in London. I was working on Carnaby Street um, on a dare while I was working uh, with one of my friends. I changed my sec my second name. So my second name is Davies. I changed my second name legally to Disaster. So my name legally was Richie Disaster. <laughs> but I was I had it on my bank card and everything. <laughs> and this is oh God, I sound old. This is when you had to go into the bank to do banking. Oh. <sighs> And whenever I went into the bank to banking, they always just asked me questions. I was always so embarrassed that it lasted like six months. <laughs> and I was just, I was kind of mortified because I was like, I wanted to embrace it and I wanted to be cool. And you know that like there was like a bit of a, a bit of an ego there. And I was like, oh, this is cool. But then at, in the actual reality of it was I was just an embarrassed kid. Mm. So... <laughs> When I was looking for a new um, social media moniker after, because I, a big thing for last year was like, kind of like, I didn't want to be a, band, a rich abandoned ship anymore. I kind of wanted to step away from that because that's how I'd been known for 11 years. And I was like, well, who is, who am I beyond rich abandoned ship? There was kind of a whole thing in my head about this. So I, I was kind of thinking of what I would call myself because I needed to change that name over 
when I decided I was stepping away from the business. And I, I kind of just was like, you know what, this might be a good time to bring that back and to give it the, give, give disaster the chance it never had when I was a kid. Um, and then I started signing my artwork and my, and my murals that I do for people. Um, this is a disaster. Um, and I really liked that. And then when I was like kind of formulating what I was going to do, coming back to freelance and doing all these bits and stuff, um, it just, it kind of just resonated across the businesses. So I kind of call my freelance work, create disasters because I, I like just the way that sounds and, you know, uh, I created it, it, it's a very, out. very clever turn of phrase, isn't it? Yeah, I, I liked it. And then, and then with a disaster, I want, I, they incorporated, I don't really use that much disaster ink. It's just, I need, I wanted something that differentiate it from the other stuff. But I mostly mm. just call it disaster. Most of the, you know, most of the t-shirts just say disaster on it. Um, and I liked incorporate because it kind of sounded some like it was, you know, a little bit different from the usual um, na brand name you would see in the UK. Mm. Um, so it kind of, so when I kind of came back to freelance and kind of back on social media, I kind of liked the idea that everything kind of fitted together nicely, but they had their own little realms within my life. So Richie Disaster, that social media is just my life, silly outfits, like I'm, me and Joy Market, Create Disasters is my professional page, I guess, for all purposes, you know, I put my uh, art up there, and, and that page started as just a place for me to post my art as I learned to draw again, like I started only started drawing in six or seven years ago, so if you go right to the bottom of that page, you'll see the very first pieces of artwork I did, it's basically my timeline of how I how my arts progressed it's like a so whole I, fire, I, I, still, yeah. I really like that so it's everything I try and put every single piece of artwork I put on there I don't care what the engagement is I don't care if people see it it's for me mm. um, and it's kind of become like a little mini portfolio and then yeah disaster incorporated was um was the brand um and then do you, you know do I you don't... not see some parallels with abandoned ship here with it being like one name but multiple different things I guess so but I guess that's the that's the double-edged sort of the way that I've kind of operated these businesses for the last couple of years is that I think it's I a good way very... to organize things because like you've got like you've got set places where you do certain things mm -hmm. which makes it easier to organize not only in your head but like generally like if you had yeah. one page where you had all the things you've been drawing and then all of the garments you've been working on and then any commission work you're doing it's just a minefield yeah yeah I think um I think I think it's I think it comes from the fact that I've kind of pu pushed myself into the the central point for all of this so like I am the face of disaster I was the face of a man in ship it is a double edged sword um because it comes with an immense amount of good and positivity but it also comes with an immense amount immense amount of negativity um you, it's very do difficult you enjoy, to hide. Hmm? do you enjoy that the because we've spoken to a few brand owners who are kind of like Rob, who we had on uh, in the last episode from Darkest Day, like I've spoken to him a fair bit and he doesn't particularly like being like the face of the brand. I'm very similar in that respect. I've never liked having like my face on stuff and being like personally, like like a personal representative of it sort of thing. Mm. Do you enjoy that side of it? The older I get, the least I enjoy, the less I enjoy it. When I started... So when I started Abandoned, again, it always kind of, it comes back to kind of, it was an organic thing. When we started Abandoned Ship, there was two of us. One of us had the camera, my business partner, Duncan, 
one of us was the model, me. That was just the way it worked because right. um, he had the camera and I had tattoos. He had he had his like legs completely covered, but I had quite a lot of tattoos anyway. And we were on Tumblr. So the first images that went viral were my head cut off and neck tattoos and arm tattoos because that's what people found, liked. So from the very first photo shoot we did, I was the face of the brand. And right. then I was I was at every event. I don't think there was an event. I think I didn't go to two events in the entirety of a man and ship. And that's, so that's hundreds of events. So I met thousands, tens of thousands of people as the guy from Abandoned Ship, got drunk with them, in a, in a, like spoke to them, like heard their life stories, told them my life story, especially during the bar period. Like I had some of the best conversations I've ever had with, with people um, over drinks. So there's this like really amazing aspect of it where, you know, I'm, probably on a daily basis, I'm speaking to 10 or 20 customers about stuff that probably a business owner shouldn't talk to customers about. But because I've shared so much of my life and so much of my experiences, they feel comfortable talking to me. And because I felt alone at points in my life, I'm not going to turn them away. Mm. Um, and I've built up relationships with people over the years because I spend a lot of time with a lot of the people sort of surrounding the business more than maybe I do my family members sometimes because that's mm. just the way work, work works. So if I could step away completely, I'll be completely honest, I would. But I think the pedestal that I've built myself, unfortunately, is one that I don't think I could step off of unless it was the end of those jobs. So I don't think Disaster Incorporated would work if I wasn't so involved in it. That, yeah. you know, that might change eventually, well, but I, I doubt it. One thing that I've noticed, because I've followed Abandoned Ship for a number of years, um, mm. probably since before I started Downcast. And I think the one thing that I noticed that, I mean, obviously it came as a shock when it was said that you were kind of leaving a band of ship sort of thing. But um, when you started Disaster, the kind of like almost cult following that you had come with you was pretty fucking amazing. Like the amount of people that followed you on that journey with you was fucking really cool. And I mean, obviously yeah. you as a, as a person have a huge part to play in that because people have followed you your journey personally rather than oh it's just the brand sort of thing um and i think a lot of brands kind of struggle to kind of create that i guess connection with you know the end consumer or whatever that you know a that's lasting and b that's i guess a bit more meaningful because you're not just running a clothing brand at the end of the day you're running it's a lifestyle brand it's you know it's yeah it's more of a an art collective it's more of a yeah you know what i'm getting at you know what <laughs> You know what the thing, you know what, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to the fact that I am unfortunately transparent and honest to a fault. Mm. I will just tell you, uh, you know, I've told you guys more than I was planning to tell you. I started, <laughs> I started this conversation, started this conversation <laughs> by telling delete, you I was having an delete. existential crisis. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, I can't help it. Um, I over explain everything. I, like to share knowledge i like to talk to people i think it's important that people understand other people's points of view i think mm -hmm. it's important that i understand people's points of view i will just 
be an open book. And I think mm. that's what it was because there was a point I, I when I when I left abandoned ship about six months before it, I think there was like eleven thousand posts on Instagram. Because I don't remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but you know, before stories, you just posted seven yeah. times a day on Instagram. So I went through them all and I deleted them all because it was just a like you, you, there's pictures like grainy pictures of empty bottles of beer. You know, it's it's that kind of stuff because you're you're telling yeah, yeah. what is now a story mm. over your main feed, and you've got like yeah. 500 likes on empty beer bottles. It's insane. Um, so I went through it all, and you know, at the beginning of it, I was doing what I'm doing now, which is just telling people stuff and like posting pictures. I was posting pictures of my dogs all the time and stuff like that. No one cared. I was just doing it. I thought people cared. Now nah, it's like 12 likes. I was just screw it. I'll just do it. And you know what? It, the persistent obviously i don't know when the persistence i don't know when it changed from delusion to actually working but the persistence of that delusion obviously kicked in because at some point people were actually giving a fuck about what i was talking about and what i was doing yeah but there was a period of time when like i've, I've looked back no one was talking to me there wasn't comments there wasn't likes i was just like here's my dogs here's a t-shirt just kind of doing my own thing <laughs> living my happy little life and then you know within a year people were asking me my dog like by name how my dogs are doing and you know that my dogs bad. are still with me they've been the one consistent for the entirety of the business <laughs> I, um i got the dogs uh just after i went self-employed because i was lonely um i was working from home and they're uh they still you know you might still hear them in the background barking so side side step here what dogs have you got uh puggles pug beagle oh, crosses they're oh, 11 years old and they are still absolute nightmares but i love them they're um, the ones that have you seen that film um paul rudd love you man i love you man yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got he's got a pug in that, and he, calls that it, man. he calls it anwar sadat <laughs> doesn't he the egyptian yeah. um <laughs> do, do yours look like anwar sadat yeah uh they they have very different i actually think one of them looks quite a lot like me has the same scowl i think that's just like a scowl. dog thing. yeah <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, I've got, got a lot of um... eyebrows. I need to start worrying about Botox in a couple of years, I think. <laughs> this isn't going away. I've got a, but I've got, 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 a got, to keep I'm, got to keep pretending I'm young. Uh, you are young. <laughs> no, I am young. No, I am. But I just, I had, I was, I wasn't, I was unsure if I was going to um, want to keep doing this. Like, in, like I'm, I'm in my late 30s now. So I was unsure if I wanted to keep doing it into my 40s. Um, but I have, I do feel like a new lease of life with creating like there's still there's still stories to be told and stuff to to make. I think a similar sort of thing like business wise and, and like selling things like like you're selling is that you can have this weird period where like like bands have where they're really popular when people are teenagers and mm. then they sort of like have a bit where they just meander through a bit and then all of a sudden the people that were teenagers now adults with adult money and and the person they like is still around and they're like shit and now you like you basically built this following where yeah. they're, they're now at an age now where they can do their own shit with their own money that and you actually, sort, yeah. sort of got them that was quite prevalent actually during lockdown because during lockdown i pivoted away from apparel and started doing homeware um yeah and i wrote a cookbook um like because uh, I didn't know what the fuck to do with myself because I constantly, like, <laughs> this is the first time in years I haven't had three businesses running at once. Um, and I accidentally have a business, which I wasn't planning to have. Um, I, I wrote a cookbook because I didn't know what to do with myself. But I, I put, like, a draft down and then I put it online to pre-order. 
And I was like, oh shit, now I have to do it. So I wrote it in like six days, entire <laughs> cookbook, like a 40 page cookbook and it hand illustrated it all. Um, Amazing. I also completed Skyrim and Witcher 3 during, not during those eight days, those six days, but I did that during lockdown I was going to fucking say. I know. I had, yeah, impressive. I had just more the, hours. Just the Witcher alone, mate. Drank a, drank a ridiculous amount of cocktails as well. Um, I, I made a, a colouring book. You know, I was selling prints because I was like, you know what prints are? Prints are t-shirts for your wall. Mm. That was my tagline. Mm. And I was just chucking prints out to here, here there and everywhere. Um and you're right. It's because you know, because I realized that like the people who had been buying my T-shirts since, because like people will tell me they've oh, I've been following you since I was 12, and I'm like, oh, that's gross. Because <laughs> I've <laughs> so been doing this so long, but um, they, they they're now like they have their own houses or they 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 bought a house and then during lockdown they were in their house and I was like, okay, this is a very unique situation that we've all grown up together and we're now all in a kind of similar position and like um. When I bought my house um, a couple of years ago, when I bought my first house, well, my only house, but when I finally bought a house uh, a couple of years ago, I needed glassware. I bought, I built my, I built a studio for myself in the back garden. And I needed glassware because I built a bar. So I just released an entire glassware collection, like eight or nine different styles of glassware, <laughs> just so I could make. One way of doing it. <laughs> well, I sold, I, I sold a, a ton of them. So I paid for my, I got free glassware for my bar. That's how a lot of these things happen. Like I made blankets because I wanted cool blankets for my house. So now mm. like- well, That's I, the thing the, as a brand owner though, you have the the freedom to do that, don't you? It's like, I mean, I, I remember, I mean, we did very well in COVID and that was kind of our, our peak. And but my mindset behind it was back then, it wasn't, it still wasn't yet a business sort of thing. This was kind of before we became VAT registered and became a limited company and all of that. And it was like, I'm just fucking drawing shit. And just mm-hmm. like, if I think it looks cool, I'm going to put it on a fucking t-shirt and I'll print it. I'll print fucking 15 of them or whatever. If it sells, it sells. Cool. Um, and I think that freedom as a brand owner to do that, for me anyway, went a little bit when those changes started happening and it becomes a bit yeah. more um, that, that, is, man. that is the crux um, of this existential crisis. It's do I lose mm-hmm. that that feeling of, yeah it's fleeting it might not be i I can step away from it mm-hmm. by making it a real thing i mean mm-hmm. it probably is a real thing to people outside of my own head but at the moment i'm it's still a like very real I, thing to people yeah i can duck out like it's, it's it's that feeling of like will i lose some of that like is it like trying to like um capture lightning like or should i should yeah. i just try and like just have fun with it as long as possible mm. unfortunately my, my- my thing at the minute is so obviously the so our I guess parent company is Downcast Apparel Limited. The print shop is run through that, mm. so everything goes under the umbrella of Downcast Apparel Limited. Now the the brand is kind of like I guess on its way out a little bit, and I'm gradually just shutting it down. I guess um, because I don't have the enjoyment for it anymore. It doesn't get the kind of sales in that I need to kind of dedicate the time to it like you know i do the pod as well like you know i run the print shop i have a full-time job me and pav are starting a brand together and it's kind of just like it's gone right on the back burner but the thing that's kind of like holding me back from shutting it down full stop is like oh it's under downcast apparel limited that's going to be weird if i get rid of it and i'm still running you, everything you under downcast apparel on, you can change your name on company's house yeah if that helps that, that, that process but yeah i know what you mean sometimes it like Sometimes it's hard, to, on a little like, bit. it's hard to let go 
I think for me, the liquidation when I fought so hard to bring the band the brand back from like complete ruin. Like I purchased the IP myself back from liquidators so that I could start the business again from scratch. Like I used my personal money to basically re restart this brand with zero. I've all, the only thing I had was um, the IP and the domain and the social media. Um, and I think, and at that point I said, the next time that this business stops, it's on my terms. Yeah. And I'm not precious about it anymore. If I'm done with it, I'm just stepping the fuck away. And that's why I did last year. And I think that's why it was a shock to a lot of people because it was still making good money. Like, mm -hmm. um, and my return customer base was 70% when I closed the business. The month I closed the business, wow. the stat was 70% return customer base. Like there was a diehard core fan base there who yeah. was sad that I was leaving and yeah, sad yeah. that the business at that point i don't think um we'd fully decided that it was going to continue it was just like it's done yeah and people are like why are you closing it i'm like because i'm done i don't i don't want to do it anymore people don't sometimes understand that sometimes that's just how you feel and you have like if i'm not in it anymore and now we've talked about it there's a the passion there there's the creativity there if i'm not feeling passion or creative it's not mm. there's no value to it anymore mm. if there yeah, was other people a job being that passionate about it then you know maybe as as the director i could have stepped back from it for like six months and then maybe i would have come back in that march um and what i'm releasing for disaster would be what amanda ship is releasing now but it was me and it was two other people in the barrel um and i just felt that i'd been the driving force for so long there was an opportunity to step away from it um and do it um in my own way and be content with what I'd achieved. And then that's that's why I did it, rather than run it for another year and 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 let it sort of slide into something that I didn't feel like it was, um, or not put my full attention into it or not enjoy what I was doing anymore. I was like, just leave it on the terms I can leave it on. Yeah. Um, especially with everything that happened with the bars, just leave it the way I am, like, you know, leave it on a high um, and step away from it and then just go and do something else. Um, so what's what's next for disaster then because obviously you're at this i guess this crossroads of like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go and grab my charger because uh yeah, yeah, no i didn't realize that i my battery just drained up oh, it's literally come on low battery so that's good timing i'm gonna mute you guys no worries has he gone into a tiny little room <laughs> that's what i just thought <laughs> he's gone into a tiny little room in the back <laughs> He's, a, he's actually a very big man in a very small house. <laughs> he's 18 feet tall. <laughs> oh, he's gone. I'm going to measure my penis. <laughs> Good come. Got the calipers out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sure we can uh, cut that break with a clear. Oh, well, yeah. Darcy's in there. We're leaving all that in. Oh, great. Perfect. <laughs> We, we, we just, just had a we just have a conversation about um how you are very tall because you just went through a very tiny door. Oh, the, so I'm is, in it, an is it a no, is it a normal oh. size door and you're just eighteen foot tall? <laughs> I am six foot four. I am very tall. Yeah, but geez, geez, it's also a very small door. Well, I suppose all doors are small for you. Yeah, but this one is like like. Four, oh, wow. four foot. Oh, well, it is. Yeah, that is a okay. tiny door. Yeah, there's a there's a glass in comparison. It's very very short. So, 
Like I'm sitting on a very low chair and I'm still taller than it. Um, <laughs> do, you, um, I'm, do you live in the Middle Ages? I live in a cottage uh, in Margate that... Uh, so, so the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, this attic was going to be my studio, uh, but I can't stand up in it. Like literally... <laughs> can't work can't work in here so i can't work in these conditions and it's also the hottest room in the world because there's a skylight yeah, just there um and the sun passes over the entirety of the day so i am sweating so Mate, you want you want to cut that bit of roof out and turn it into a roof terrace i don't own this i am renting well then I all the more all the more reason anything. to do it <laughs> Um, it's not your problem, but you've done it. Well, that is that is true. Actually, it'd probably be an improvement. I did say like it would actually be quite good just to cut this out and just have like a, a rooftop because it gets the sun all day. It'd be amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a weird conversation to get into for this, but yeah, um, oh, we've had weirder. Mate, we've had weirder conversations. <laughs> so, what's next for uh, disaster? Um, yeah, I don't know, honestly. Um, so where I'm at, where I've been at with it for the last like couple of weeks is basically rapid expansion, uh, like growth, uh, sorry, uh, not rapid expansion, rapid growth via um, the stock packages and just like getting stock in, selling it, new stock, basically taking myself from like the 500. So I invested 500 pounds of my own money into the business when I started. I took that back out after a month there's not been any more investment in it. It's grown organically through. Um, and that's how I wanted to do it. Um, and basically at the beginning of this month, I had a situation where I had a bottleneck of stock coming in, which was around about two months worth of turnover at that point, all coming in at once, which is just gone online yesterday. So I had to find that money for it. So basically I just worked my ass off the last like six weeks to basically make sure that money was in. So everyone's paid, which they all are. So now I'm at a point where I have a shit ton of stock that's paid for in my studio. I have no overheads. I should be profitable by the end of the month. And then the goal is to take my foot off the pedal and maybe just enjoy it. Like yeah. sell some t-shirts, take a wage. Um, but then obviously it's just down to, you know, the making sure that the business is, is uh, set up correctly. Like as a limit, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this for the next year or two years, limit company, HMRC, do all that stuff. So that's kind of what you should do first is sit back and relax for a little bit first. Yeah. I'm going on a a mural painting tour next week. I'm going, I'm doing five murals in seven days across the UK. So that's like that guy who does the marathons, but with painting. Well, yeah, because people ask me to do murals and then I'm like, well, if I come to you, then I have to charge you um, account, um, accommodation and travel. And if I'm going to Stoke-on-Trent, then, you know, that's that's quite an expensive trip for one person to to cover. So mm. what I try and do is go, well, I'll try and get a couple of jobs in one week and then I'll just do a tour. And then it's a nice excuse because at the top of that tour, I get to spend uh, the night at my mum's house and catch up with my mum. Um, and drink some wine and then I come back again so you know a couple of murals oh, see my cool. family a couple of murals I'm home so it's it's a really nice thing this is the second time I've done it since I moved to Margate um, last time was a bit uh, extreme because I ended up having uh, a couple of nights out with friends that were not planned and then I was hung over for a couple of days I didn't want to be so <laughs> I'm gonna be a little bit more sensible this week um, you say that now 
I might just not tell anyone I'm there. When does this come out? <laughs> I've got a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, after that, really for me, the next decision is how real is this for me? Like, what is what is the goal? Um, I'm, is, is this my main job? How many hours do I want to do a week? Like at the moment, I'm doing about 20 hours a week. Do I want to make that 30? Do I want to make that 10? Like, I'm still working it all out. Um, and I think one of the main things with this project is I'm going to be very transparent about that as well. Mm. Like by the time this has come out, I, I'll probably have done a post about what I want, like how I feel or, or, or how I'm not sure how I feel yet, because um, I think it's important to have those conversations with people and, and, and to, you know, be honest about it because yeah. this started as a, yeah, this started as just a, a, as I say, like a thing to keep me out of trouble, keep me busy. Um, and it's very quickly grown. So it's I'll an unusual situation to be in as well, isn't it? it so you're no, you're it having to like basically a... choose between like having a, but making it a job and just, and just having a creative outlet. It's, it is quite hard to squeeze those two into the same box, isn't it? Mm -hmm. there, there, there's is, always yeah. a, an, an issue with that i mean i i'm lucky that i get to basically design stuff and and if i like it i can put on a t-shirt mm. and it's always there's always it's always guaranteed to sell even if it does end up in the sale it will always go i've never in 12 years i've never really had something that really would not move apart from one thing and it was the my first year self-employed i bought a thousand ponchos don't be unhappy in a poncho to quote the well, I mean like the 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 disposable ones that you get at festivals. Oh right. yeah, you can be very unhappy in those. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they were a pound each. I spent a thousand pounds on these ponchos, but it was when we didn't have really a thousand pounds to be buying ponchos. And I was like, it was our first summer of festivals. I'm like, we are going to clean up. It rains all the time. People are gonna buy these for five pounds a pop. Nope, they sat there for years. <laughs> years and years and years. <laughs> And they, every so often we'd find a box and be like, God, there's still like 200 in there. And I'd put them back <laughs> online. I did like a photo shoot where like I pretended to be, uh, uh, oh, what's that movie? What's the movie where he wears the rain Mac and with the axe? Um, American Psycho. American Psycho, yeah. An American Psycho yeah. photo shoot. And that actually sold a ton of them. Um, that's just the power of power of marketing. Uh, <laughs> but I'm lucky, minus that, I'm lucky that most <laughs> things, you know, sell um i continue to sell so i'm I, I know i'm in a very like privileged spot that i can keep creating stuff and is there any reason you can't just keep it at the scale that it is um yes without going into the minutia of, of of you know tax stuff basically i am as a sole trader i have two revenue streams freelance art and apparel freelance art uh it's going okay, but you know, it's, it's a bit hit or miss. Sometimes I might not make much money of it. Sometimes uh, yeah, I'll get mm -hmm. a good job, but you don't know you're going to get a job until you get a job. This is consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, but it's you, because you're, because turnover revenue is the thing. There's only so much profit in it. So one is mm -hmm. profit heavy, but it's just labor intensive, but there's not much cost. One is cost heavy and there's not as much profit, but there's a lot of revenue. Basically, those running at the same time means that I'm going to hit the revenue cap for ta uh, for VAT very quickly without actually showing much profit. So I'm going to be paying mm. VAT probably before I see, comparatively to how much profit I can make, I'll be paying VAT before that, which then diminishes the whole VAT. And 
for the brand, there's an offset with the purchase of products and stuff like that. So mm. you can offset that. But with a physical a, a, a job, which is just labor, there's no offset. So, mm-hmm. you know, you lose 20% of every job you do, basically. Um, yeah. Or you have to charge that on top of it, which can be an issue for clients. It depends on who's getting work done. Um, and I want to keep, well, obviously, keep everything above board and keep it all running. So, ba- But basically, these two jobs these two revenue streams don't work aligned when there's tax implications so i'd have to separate the brand from the solo trading freelance work um, basically it's hmrc's fault it's just it's just the you know it's, it's just the 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 admin loops you have to jump her through majesty's and, royal cunts but it's just <laughs> It's just making sure I'm, it's just, again, it's that transparency of just making sure I'm doing everything correctly because yeah, I don't want to get to the end of the year and be like, submit my stuff and they go, oh, by the way, you owe an extra X amount. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't realize that. So that those cogs are turning in my head because as I've said, I've wanted a backdoor just so it feels fun and setting up a limited company and setting yourself up as VAT registered and uh, doing all that stuff is not easy breezy it's not a light-hearted brand it's it's a business so yeah it's making sure that i bet you could find it a way to make it find a way to make it light-hearted i yeah, reckon, you, I reckon I mean, you, you've got the you've got the intellect and the skills and the knowledge to do that i mean externally it would it would just be a case of there'd be a lot more admin and a lot more like making sure every make sure the eyes are dotted and the t's are crossed so, the, so the, moment... the concern for you is how it how you feel about it then internally yeah. about that change yeah, really yeah. I, I you know I, i'm i'm lucky that i've got good accountants and i've got uh people that i can get you know this information from and i've been doing you know i've been paying that and taxes for 11 years so i know enough about it that i can get it all sorted mm. but it's it's just how squarely i get like how much i want to run away from from the situation I, I i probably won't that's the thing if i probably if i didn't have to think about making it a limited company i probably would just be happy doing this for the next year and a half mm. but uh, this year was supposed to be uh why do you have to do it why i don't I, I, <laughs> I, I don't have to do anything i could just keep powering through and just pay the vat like that um it's just not mm. it's not smart business sense it's not no, tax no. efficient is it it's Fuck it's that. not it's Fuck it's not that. tax efficient because realistically, even if to be tax efficient, I should do the brand as one type of paying VAT and then yeah, yeah. freelance is a different type of paying VAT because you can pay non-offset VAT, whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's just not it's yeah, yeah it's yeah. not a, it's not and there's enough I, I love math, so there's enough like issues in my head about like running uh running it in the most efficient way possible. That's all it is, it's just efficiency. So I fucking hate it all. I, I love it. it all. I love anything. I'm, I'm, boys. I mean, I'm down for it. I'm there. I enjoy it. Like I can get, I can talk about this stuff all day and it's, it's, it's super dull to, I see other people's eyes glaze over when I start talking about like um, that and everything like that. But thing it's, is, I, is, I, it, my problem is I find it quite interesting, like in a really like morbid way, I guess. But at the same time, it freaks me the fuck out because I know I'm shit at it. So I'm just like, 
oh yeah that's like that's, that's quite cool for my business but at the same time it's like oh fuck what the fuck am i doing with myself yeah and it's also like, putting your trust into other people to do your accounts for you especially yeah, if you're not that's one of the issues content. we're going through at the minute yeah and I've it's had, like i've had bad accountants and i've had good i've got a good accountant like who isn't a gatekeeper like uh, some accountants are quite gatekeepery and they don't tell you everything and they're like here's mm. your here's your accounts mm. and you're like okay well, the problem with our accountant at the minute he's so laid back that it's just like he's so laid back to the point where it takes him two weeks to reply to an email i'm oh, just like mate i'm getting fucking letters from hmrc here that was like, stressing out i was, I was yeah. asking no Chat i'm GPT fucking stressed man today. i'm fucking stressed yeah, you asking Chat GPT about it? Amazing. yeah i was like <laughs> i i gave all these options i was like what's the best what's the best business model to have and it was like well, well you should weigh everything up i'm like you are useless help <laughs> you're, you're the future ai tell me what i should do and then it was I've like, had, but ultimately, I've, I've had fucking um, letters from HMRC saying that uh, we are overdue for our accounts for our partnership when we're a limited company. We don't have a partnership. And uh, I got in touch with my accountant and he was like, yeah, that's a mistake. This was like two months ago that this happened. And he was like, yeah, I'm chasing them. It's just like, yeah, okay, well, I mean, how many times have you chased them? And it's, I know fair, HMRC are useless. I know they're pretty, useless. They're replying to people. That's pretty normal. Like there is, it is a slow moving machine. So it's like that a... doesn't help my stress levels. No, no, it doesn't. No, I get that. <laughs> I'm just like, mate. I've done that, and I've been like, like this is the end of the world, and they go, no, that's fine. Just phone them. I'm like, okay, yeah. cool, thanks. <laughs> um, I I did have to have a VAT inspection a couple of years ago. That was daunting. Like a full mm. on, they come to your office and they. I've go had for, a VAT inspection. They go for everything. And no. we don't, we don't, we don't do accounts uh, at the time. We didn't do accounts digitally. It was all done on. Oh, I did on, on paper and books. And they said, "Oh, we want like five years worth of accounts." Okay, so they came in, and they were literally. I'm not joking. My room's like quite big here. Imagine that this is the room. There were boxes stacked yeah. floor to head height, and then coming coming off the wall towards us. And they looked at it, and they're like, "What's that?" That's the accounts. Oh, we're expecting on a USB stick. New. No. <laughs> they were there for four then and they walked days. out. They were like, "You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, fine. it's probably you great. Might, you might be money laundering, but it's fine. We'll <laughs> we were, that shit. We we were all digital, and they were there for a few hours. But you know, like, it's it was all fine. Like, because the thing is now with like Shopify and Zero, does it all for you, isn't it? Mostly, it's yeah. all there. Yeah. yeah, you just have to pay money to. You know, it's like a few hundred pounds a month to. That's the annoying thing as well. All these subscriptions cost money, but. If it's all it's all got, goes automatically, you just have to make sure it all makes sense at the end of the day, mm. and then your bank account's into zero as well. So there's no way to make a mistake unless you're really crooked, and I'm not. So see, like it was my my account but... with uh, because we're on Shopify with Downcast, the print shop we we don't take any online payments, so that's all manual invoicing, but it's obviously through the same limited company. So I had to do all that manually, but for half the year that we were VAT registered, uh, QuickBooks, who we were with, wouldn't sync with Shopify. And it only synced half of the stuff Yeah. for that half a year. So I basically had to go through it all. Like, bear in mind, we were paying monthly, and QuickBooks were like, oh, it's not our fault, it's Shopify, and Shopify were like, oh, it's not our fault, it's QuickBooks. I was just like, well, it's fucking one of you, because it's, not really, <laughs> because it's set up right. It's just one of you is not communicating with the other. So basically, yeah. I had to go through a year and a half's worth of sales and invoices for the print shop and basically just put together like a fucking big old fucking spreadsheet of cost and expenditure, 
expenditure and bucket profit and all that blah blah and basically do my accounts manually when I'd been paying a fucking subscription <laughs> to this yeah. fucking accounting software and I was like this is ridiculous man this is just a joke this, but... this is why you pay someone to do it but, uh, I actually wonder yeah. I actually wonder if you well you shouldn't put it into chat GPT actually I'm not going to recommend that no yeah. <laughs> open source. so if you put it in it's there forever so don't do that but if anyone who is does accounts is listening you should probably get ai involved in accounts and then we don't need accountants anymore just saying ai accounting probably be a good thing at this point because you could just chuck a ton of spreadsheets into it and it'll do that work for you so yeah that makes me feel a little bit better actually about doing a new business i'm like that hopefully within six months will exist Probably, yeah, be probably sooner. Oh, yeah. Elon probably Musk, soon. if you're listening, mate. I have a meeting with an accountant Fuck tomorrow. SpaceX. So I'll the idea. Just... Is the accountant um, the car from Knight Rider? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it, this time next year, it could, it could be. Yeah, can you imagine thing. that? If you just, if you just drive along and then you speak to your stereo and you're like, "Car, do my taxes for me." <laughs> I'm doing your taxes for you. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to have a sexy no, no, voice. Knowing, knowing fucking technology, that I'd be like, I'm sorry, I didn't quite get that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, back on um, clothing. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, what you've got some quite varied methods of uh, and like of garments and things. What are your like preferred methods for garment decoration? Do you have like uh, a preferred uh, or, or like what methods are you using at the moment? Because you've got like your tracksuits. Uh, what are they? Die subbed or something, and then and then stitched. Oh, or is the, it... pro- the actual process. Oh, yeah, okay. the, I thought you meant the creation of art. Um, that'll be the next one. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I was of the era where everyone was doing sublimated T-shirts, and they had the gaps underneath the arms because it was like you're printing a T-shirt on the front and then on the back. So people were like, "It's not all over print, but it's not. But it's not. Yeah, it's got the gaps, and like it would only go up to a certain part of the sleeve. And if and if the, if there was ever a slight wrinkle in it, there's like a exactly so i was line where it was so i was when that came out so at that point kind of also a poly blend t-shirt so it doesn't breathe and it's like it's, i think it had to be like 70 percent polyester mm. so at that, that point i hated them like i thought they were garbage i never wore one so what we did was we went overseas and we made fully cut and sew cotton garments which meant we had to make 300 of these t-shirts at once but it was we were making rolls of fabric and then cutting and sewing them from it so ours were 100% cotton and they were high enough quality that people would still text, te- not text me, email me or message me pictures of them wearing something that we released 11 years ago. Mm, amazing. Um, like we really wanted to get like, because people would think that it was just another sublimate t-shirt and they get it. And then they were like, this is phenomenal. Like insane. Like the quality was really high. At, at the time we were selling them for 30 pounds, which looking back is actually really high compared to now. Like you'd start, you'd struggle to sell a thirty pound t shirt now. Um, some brands, um, and we were selling. We they were doing really well. So I still kind of have a little bit of that. Um, so when you, whenever you see me doing a poly garment, it's a garment that should be polyester. So football tops, sporting goods, basketball shorts, uh, swim shorts, and the tracksuits, and that's what actually is predominantly, um decided what i've released this summer because when you're working with poly garments the minimums are low so it's like usually 50 pieces or 100 pieces rather than yeah. if you're working on full cut and so 
cotton goods like we did, which would be two to 300 pieces, maybe more 500 pieces. So that's what's really kind of showcasing the all over print stuff for me at the moment. Um, and that will continue. I probably won't do any like poly t-shirts or anything. So uh, until next year, I'd like to do more, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, more um, Hawaiian shirts. I just, I, there was no budget. Like you, you have to invest like 25 grand or something to, mm -hmm. Um, to get those in and i just don't have the the uh, capital at the moment to do it so i'm hoping to build up enough cap capital potentially um to do hawaiian shirts next year and um, so that'll be the first like kind of cotton garment because that involves quite a lot of work so probably what you'll see from the business um over the next few months will be when it's an all over print it's probably a poly garment that makes sense for it to be a poly garment um coach jackets that kind of stuff um, and then everything else uh, that's cotton is usually going to be a, a blank, a sustainable blank that I found. Um, one of the things I'm really enjoying with um, Disaster that I didn't have the luxury of doing with Abandoned Ship because Abandoned Ship had to be very uniform because of the size of the audience, whereas the audience for Disaster is small enough that I can engage with them directly and I can tell them what garment I'm using and why I'm using it. So, uh, for example, this is an overweight, uh, overweight, sorry, an oversized heavy cotton t-shirt by i think earth positive um and well, i'm wearing it's pretty it's probably the same one yeah yeah <laughs> so I'm wearing. yeah and earth, earth positive are great um they're the guy they're, they're what i'm using for the collection i've just released i'm using amazing ep01 um, but all wearing earth positives yeah well it's it's a great brand you know where they can't i think it's continental i'm plugging for doing it yeah yeah um as color that's in behind you they're great i'm using them for my hats at the moment uh um, they have the, they have the best hats bar none at the moment yeah, but... yeah they've got some great <laughs> console uh console elements that i'm really excited to use when it gets uh into autumn and winter um i've used certain pieces before um i used um i think they're who i'm using for my sleeveless t-shirts actually it is yeah i'm using the bernard for my sleeveless t-shirts um, I used the staple stripe t-shirt earlier on in the uh, year. That's I had nice too, yeah. success with that yellow one. Um, so what I'm really enjoying doing is just messing around with a ton of blanks and seeing what works and what doesn't work and what I like. Um, and luckily the, the printers I use, um, bar one in Glasgow, um, they've been they I think they're second generation. They've been making, um, they've been printing t-shirts for decades decades they were printing t-shirts decades before um i worked with them and they're the people they're the company that made my first ever abandoned ship t-shirt so i've got a 12 and a half year relationship with these guys amazing um gav who runs the business um i still i'm lucky enough to have a direct line with him which i don't think many people have and if i have a question about something he has the answer um or if i want to do something dumb he can help me make it um and that's great that's like it's it's an amazing thing to have because he's taught me a lot more than I would have been able to learn on my own about these products. Um, Cause he's, he's seen them all. He's, he's probably held on to pretty much everything you could possibly buy. Like they, they have a, a catalog that's bigger than an Argus catalog hmm. um, and, and a website, you know, they, they showcase every single product. So I really enjoy trying all that kind of stuff and then seeing how it translates with different garments. Like I did this because this is a, a, a metal, uh, like I wanted to have a heavy metal sort of death metal style t-shirt. So I used the heavy one, the heavy ones for this. I've used EPO one, they're positive sort of standard fit ones for the release, uh, release I just did because that feels like it's more of an evergreen collection for me. So I wanted a more staple design. Um, so 
yeah it really depends on the product at the moment but it's it's really i'm really enjoying just fucking around and seeing what works um because it's not a luxury that i had with a man in ship once i picked something um, it's so weird having this conversation with you because the amount of conversations i've had with people starting brands and they don't want to do this bit. They don't want to do the fun experimenting bit where they mm-hmm. try every T-shirt. And I'm like, they're like, oh, what's the best T-shirt to print on? I'm like, well, what style of T-shirt do you want? Do you want a boxy one? Do you want a slim fit? Do you want a heavyweight? Do you want a lightweight? Well, what's the best one? What's going to sell the best? I was like, well, it's, it's your brand. Like, what? why don't we yeah, get a bunch in? audience entirely. Yeah. Why don't we Why don't we get them in? For. Print and print all the same, the same design, all the T-shirts for you. You go away. You take them away for a month. Wear them all the time. Oh, I've got time to do that. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've 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 had I've had twelve uh, white t-shirts sent to me once, all by different brands to like mm. to like wear them and work out. Like I did yeah. that. You I did that with abandoned, with abandoned ship. After we went for the liquidation, um, I had to go back to working with blanks because I didn't have the collateral to go cut and sew. Mm. Um, so I wanted to find the best blank t-shirt that was available. So I set. The president of what I wanted, like this is the kind of ballpark I want. I want something that uh, feels high quality, but soft, uh, soft spun. You know, I want this kind of sleeve. I don't want it too boxy. I want a fashion fit. I want this. I want this. It's cool. Okay, here's twelve design. Here's twelve things. Here's the price range. Work out what you want. And then I, I you know, I did. I, I spent a month trying them on. Mm. I washed them. I, I wore them. I, and then I, I picked one. And then you know what? I ran with that for a couple of years, and then I changed it to something that was more custom. Mm. It goes um, goes back to what I was saying earlier. Is like you know, with the, on the design front, it's kind of like not releasing anything that you wouldn't personally wear. And that goes the same for garments. It's like every garment that I've, this, this is my stock room as well as my office. It's like every garment that's in here, I quite happily wear. Yeah. it's like you know this is this is my favorite t-shirt apart from not the design but the actual blank but it apart from the um was it the as color classic and it's like this is what i release most of because that's what not necessarily what i think people are gonna like most which is probably not the greatest business decision but it's just what i fucking like and it's just yeah, like, fuck that's it. it it's like you know that's it. Really like, quick you... question before we move on. Yeah, is that T-shirt available? Uh, no, it just it just sold out. Um, ah. like it, it was because uh, it's got the metal. It's got the metal design on the back. Yeah, no, I've I've seen it. I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, it's um. Social. I just I just discontinued it. It it did pretty well. Um, Bad Monday do a similar one because I designed a similar one for them because I did a big collaboration with them a couple of months ago, which I think is still available on the website. Did you? We were hoping to touch on that. <laughs> Well, I mean, we can talk, we can touch on it now, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll just talk that, us through it. It's that bad. was in the that was in the works before I started Disaster. Um, oh, uh, interesting. I've been speaking to Mark for a couple of years now. We'd met on the circuit, um, and you know, having peers in this business is is great because there's not many people who know exactly what you kind of go through, especially when it kind of gets to a scale like uh, Bad Monday is or a mannership uh, was at. Um, and you know if someone's a good person then you know you get to know them and you and you and you get to kind of talk talk shop um and that's and that's what we did um and i kind of i can't remember how exactly how it came up maybe i pitched it to him i can't remember um because he was doing artist collaborations um and i had this idea that i wanted to redesign their best-selling designs like I was like, I want to do this. Like, I think mm. it'd be really good. And he was up for it. 
um, which is great, which was great. And then we met at the Brighton Tattoo Convention right before the brand started. And he was like, yep, yep, we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. And we set it all up. And then his social media team came down and shot it all with me. Um, and we and we launched it. Um, and I can't go into the numbers, but I'm pretty sure it was the most successful one they've done to date. And wow. it's in its third month now. And it was supposed to last a month. Amazing. It's continuing wow. to do very well for them. Um, and their system for doing that is that the artist takes a percentage of the profit. Mm. Um, so it's been it's been great for me because it's you know kept the lights on um, while the business yeah. was starting and and while my freelance was going. So it's it was a it was it was it came at a really good time and it was really good for the brand because um, we got massive amounts of exposure through their business um, because you know Bad Monday has four hundred twenty thousand followers. Yeah. I would imagine, imagine if you look at a Venn diagram of abandoned of of, of ex abandoned ship followers who you know and, and bad Monday followers, there's probably quite a decent overlap. Yeah, yeah. Um definitely abandoned ship is you know just like 70,000 to 420. So it's not, you know, small circle, big circle, small circles full. And I was uh, I that's kind of one of the pitches. I was like, there's probably people who are missing what abandoned ship was doing when I was there that you can harness and make some money from and I can make some money from and I can create some stuff because I don't know if I'm going to create stuff. And then in the background, I started this business and then it was like, okay, well, now we can collaborate as disaster rather than just me as an art, as a guest artist kind of thing. Um, and from that, I've actually designed a bunch of other stuff for them. I'm actually doing quite a lot of um, freelance work for them. Oh, amazing. Uh, really, which is really, really fun because um, they have a completely different business model from mine. Uh, it's uh, print on demand um yeah. high customer base so it means that they can take risks and do high color prints because it's mm -hmm. dtg mm. Uh, which is not something i'm touching I, I again i'm a little bit of a purist i have worked with dtg but i do massively prefer screen printing just it's a personal preference i don't have a problem with dtg uh, i just <laughs> i don't know i've been in, i've been in for 12 years so i fucking just love screen like, we're, something we're both, about the way it feels printers. you don't yeah. you're preaching to the choir right <laughs> But the, their business model works for a specific type of art that I love doing that I'm yeah. not doing. And also when I left Abandoned Ship, I kind of stopped doing some of the tattoo-y kind of more kind of that kind of quintessential yeah. UK tattoo alt design. Disaster's not really that. Disaster's a bit weirder. So there's still that the desire for me to create that. I love creating that stuff. I love drawing fucking eagles and, and snakes and shit like that. So I'm like, cool, this is a match made in heaven because I can create this stuff. They dig it. It's working for them. Um, and it's cool. And, I, and, you know, long may that continue and long may they, they like what I create for them and their customers dig it as well because um, it's a nice uh, way for me to create stuff that I would probably be creating right now. Amazing. So yeah. on... On like the uh, the art stuff then, and yep. talking about collaborations, can you talk to us a little bit about your actual design process? What does your process look like? What what inspires you? Yep. Well, first of all, I'll say that I only work with vectors because I fucking hate pixels. Good man. Um, so <laughs> I amazing. <laughs> I'm self taught on the uh, the Adobe Suite. So I am terrible on Illustrator, but I only use Illustrator now. I use Photoshop for some Wait, stuff. No, like some nobody's a, nobody's a fucking master of Illustrator. No, anybody who anybody who says there is is a fucking liar. It's it's, it's inherently it is broken. Such a massive 
fucking program. That I, it's like you cannot know everything. You cannot I have to, be a master. Yeah, I have to YouTube how to do stuff half the time. But that's how it works. So I, I create everything on the iPad. Or I have a Wacom as well, but that's back up in Glasgow. Uh, like one of the ridiculously massive ones, like the like white screen. Oh, the Cintiqs. Yeah, yeah. The, the, but the, the one that comes oh, with the metal arm. Mm. Uh, mine's like seven times, eight times the size of that. It came with the metal arm <laughs> that you have to have because you can't just have it sitting on your table to do yeah. Um, I got that because my back was fucked. Uh, I got like a gaming chair, so I used that for like because I was doing. I designed a tarot deck, which took forty hours per deck uh, per card. There was seventy eight cards. Took three years. Christ. to and I fucked my back doing it. So doing like really detailed stuff, I use the Wacom. But most other stuff, like the simple stuff, I do. Uh, iPads fine. So I use the iPad for everything. Um, I use Adobe Fresco, Fresca, whatever it's called. Um, and then that's great because what that initially did six years ago when I had it was you had AirDrop um, and Creative Cloud. So Creative Cloud meant I could take it, I could send it straight to AI and it's a vector straight away, ready for print. Perfect. Could send it to my phone and it could be on Instagram seconds from when I design, finished designing it. Mm. And that's what really project, uh, propelled my uh, pre-order era of abandoned ship where we were basically for like four years uh doing tons and tons of pre-orders because basically i would finish the design and a lot of pop culture flips a lot of like very relevant things that happen right now finish design within like a couple of hours it's online you can buy it immediately you'll get it within two weeks it was a very great process and it kind of revolutionized how i create artwork because um, i've had a tattoo apprenticeship the way I create is very much how a tattoo artist would use used to create before like the iPad, which would be you draw something on a piece of paper, you put a piece of tracing paper over the top, you redraw it until you get it right. So it's like, you know, uh, red pencil, green pencil over the top pen. So it's until it's perfect, then you scan it in and yeah. then you put it on. And that's how I started drawing when I started drawing and then uh, I was scanning it in and then fixing it in Photoshop or, or in Illustrator. And then I got the iPad and basically I still draw that way with layers. So my base layer will usually be like a sketchy red pencil line or pen line and then a green one. And then I'll build up until it's ready. And then I'll have multiple layers throughout it so I can change colors and do all this kind of stuff. The only difference is now I don't need to scan it in and it's, and it's print ready. Um, and that's been phenomenal for me uh, just for speed and the fact like I, I created nine designs last week. That Amazing. I've not done anything with. They're just for a project that I might just do. Sitting something. there in a tank, ready to go. I mean, they're on my Instagram, but it's called Your Name Here. It's basically just I've pre-made designs. Oh, I did there. see those. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, they're just and you know they, they each take a few hours to do. They're fun to draw, and it's it's like a lot of colorful stuff. So, but like I wouldn't be able to do that if I was still drawing on a pen and paper. It would take no. days. So that's great. Um, and then from an actual like creative point of view, I just draw whatever the fuck I want to draw. Like if I have an idea, I, I write it down in my notes app. I'll come back to it. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes I don't know what the fuck that sentence meant, especially if I was drunk when I came up with it. And then I'll just see what sits. Like, honestly, I'll tell you some of the dumb stuff that's in here at the moment that I've not done anything with because some of it doesn't even make sense. I mean, well, we've had exactly. this conversation before about notes that you look back at and you go, the fuck what does that mean why why did i write that down for myself i mean i've got um new york jeffs instead of new york jets i thought that would be a funny t-shirt I'm not <laughs> that just a bunch of guys from new york called jeff um I've, I've got you know and then there's some more melancholy stuff i wrote we're all just getting older and further away because you know as you get older all your friends move to different places and you don't get to see them as much but that might work but you know it's 
Ghost Riders in the Sky from uh, the song. Um, uh, the, you know, here's one I actually did do, uh, which will be out next month. Um, I'll Not Be Sad Forever. Um, and it's got a little coffin above it. Very emo. Um, you know, it's just it's stuff like that. I'll just write down all this stuff and then I'll come back when I'm sitting in front of my iPad and go, yeah, I want to draw that. Or I don't know what the fuck that is. I'll come back to it. And, you know, it takes maybe takes a while to to come or like three designs might end up in one or one design might extrapolate out into five different products. It really just depends on how it flows. Um, so do you, do you, do, I mean, do you mind do either or sort of thing, but do you design more around phrases or do you build phrases around designs? Because a lot of your shirts have kind of like phrases with like a, um, a graphic element to it sort of thing so it, it really depends sometimes the entire t-shirt design will just pop up into my head phrase and all other times i'll draw something gnarly and be like cool what does that mean or it might just sit again um like i've got like a skull with wings and roses around it and i've not added any text to it yet because i don't really know what that should say yet and sometimes i don't add text sometimes it's just the, the design's done enough um yeah. It really just depends on what it is. I'll write down a lot of expressions, but with the expressions as well, sometimes I'll write down the visual of what will will be represented because I'll see it in my head. Um, because for the first half of my career with Abandoned Ship, before I became the main artist, we worked with some of the best artists in the world. Like We worked with Tom Gilmore. We worked with Lamore Supreme, um, Tom Newell. God, there's so many that and I've completely gone blank. But we worked with like huge artists all over the world. And I would pitch them the concept. I would say, um, I did one for Paul Jackson, but we're the, uh, the imposter of man. So imposter of man t-shirt, which in my head, it, so the idea was like a, a, a monkey with uh, wearing like army fatigues and like a, a gun because I'm shit scared of monkeys. I am. Particularly if they got a gun. Well, exactly. Well, that was that was kind of the ticket to that. And he came back with like this gorilla head uh, with a with a helmet on from like full metal jacket. Um, and it, I don't think he even said the wear imposter man on it. Like it just was just that. And that was great. But it wasn't what I was thinking. It, it wasn't what was in my head. Mm. And I found that that was always the way it was like, I have an idea, I give it to an artist and they create something and it was amazing, but it wasn't what I had in my head. So that's yeah. why I really started drawing because I had these ideas and I was like, they need to exist. Um, and that's, and like, it needed to fall out. I kind of say it needs to fall out my head onto the paper. So that was kind of the, the main drive that and the sort of the, uh, I needed something cathartic to kind of get me because the liquidation was a very stressful period of my life. So I needed something to like, kind of take my mind off it and like do, and drawing was one of those things I did when I was a kid, but I stopped doing for a long time, start drawing. Um, and that was kind of it. And then, as I've got better at it, I've got better at kind of being able to tell these stories or tell or get these ideas that I've got in my head into something real. And then you have these ideas that resonate with people beyond even your thought process. Um, a design that uh, I came up with, but someone else designed, uh, Mr. Heggie designed it, was the Not Everything Sucks Love Heart, um, the abandoned ship was, it was synonymous with abandoned ship. Um, to the point where over 300 people, probably 500 people now have it tattooed on them. Um, and I actually did a book with why people got it tattooed, yeah, well, you know, a you picture of their tattoo. The pins for a while, weren't you, as hmm? well? you were giving so, away the pins for a while, weren't you? We would do, we would give away pins. Yeah, we did like give away, yeah. pin giveaways. And we like on a, on Blue Monday, we did a blue one that we'd give away. Um, 
like I've got uh, my my friend uh, Dan who runs Parabellum, uh, the jewelers. He made me a North Thing socks like last year. Yeah, he's, he's a lovely guy. guy, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But um, he does not get on me... the fucking pod, but he's too busy. Mate, I'm trying to do a collaboration with him, and he's not replied to me in a week, so don't worry about it. <laughs> he offered to, he asked yeah, him yeah, we'll, get, we'll get him on eventually. It's yeah. just every time I speak to his house, like, I'd love to come on, but he's like, it's just mental at the minute. I'm like, I get yeah. it, don't worry. We'll talk yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a busy, he's a busy guy, and you know what? Yeah. Um, he deserve he, he deserves all the goodness. Like, he's yeah, I met him because he had no followers and he did an Instagram advert for the Scythe uh chain. Yeah, yeah. I messaged him and went, by the way, just so you know, that advert worked because you've at least got one customer. I'm I'm gonna buy one. And we've been that was years ago, and we've been friends since. That was before anyone kind of knew who he was. And I I, I upgraded my scythe um necklace uh, two years ago. So God, I must have known him for at least four years, three or four years. Um I met I just talked started talking to him on Instagram and just I was just like, as a small business owner, I just want you to know your advert worked, so it wasn't a waste of money um but yeah he's, he's a super nice guy so um but yeah the narving sucks was this whole thing and that just took on a life of its own like people would uh, message me and be like this statement this design got me through cancer got me through my divorce got me through the death of a loved one and i was like fuck it's a t-shirt design it's insane um but that's the power that this stuff has the medium that we're using is just clothing yeah, um, yeah. if you create something truly powerful it will take on a life of its own um, yeah tra- it transcends what it's on exactly i mean another thing sucks at this point has been on everything mm. um like we've we've done pretty much everything um and yeah and it's and it still will i i was the first person to get it tattooed on me um i got it tattooed before it was even out as a t-shirt because basically i was looking for a positive mantra that wasn't pma i felt pma was too uh arrogant mm. as, uh, as, a, as a sad kid when i was a kid i was 26 or 7 as a sad guy i was like it doesn't feel me and not everything sucks just had this like level of like sadness to it and a positive message that obviously resonated with a lot of people mm-hmm. um, so i ended up getting tattooed on me um uh first and I, I've, I've been lucky enough to tattoo um a handful of people uh with the not everything sucks logo as well uh which is really cool amazing so yeah well, you're knowingly interesting <laughs> oh, thank you thank you i really appreciate that i, I need to tell my friends that <laughs> can, we have a, can we have a quick uh quick break there because i'm absolutely bursting for a piss <laughs> yeah, yeah no worries i'll probably need to uh, wrap up fairly soon um my no wife worries. is going to get us pizza oh no, we'll come no around we'll finish it there we'll finish it for you we've yeah. not got, um, we've not got much more to do anyway yeah, yeah we've, no worries. we've got a cu- couple more quick questions and then we've got a i don't know okay. if you've listened to the pod with we do a little section called the randoms which is literally just three random questions from each of us okay quick, cool then, Are you, go, you, fire, you, you, you go you yeah. go pee and then we'll uh, we'll wrap we'll, up. we'll talk about it while you're gone yeah, <laughs> what, about my way yeah all right uh, cool if it was what? an excuse or not i don't know what color do you reckon his wee's gonna be do you reckon he's hydrated today or not oh geez i hope so I do hope so. I always get worried when I'm not. I'm just like I, I, I drink. I try and drink at least two beers of water a day. It stresses me out. I'm like, always I, like, I wonder why I've got a headache, and then I go to the, then the first time I go to the toilet is like four four p.m. And I look sho- at it. It's my shoulder. Uh, if my shoulder hurts. I've not had enough water. It's weird. Is that, is that what it is? You know, I think it's like you get older and you just you you 
I don't know if like it's aches and pains or you're just you're more aware like you're more aware of what they mean I was having this yeah. conversation earlier um, I think it's a I'm bit like, of both yeah, yeah I'm like oh because you, like when you're 20 you, you don't have to drink water you just survive like a like a cockroach but yeah. when you're like in your like mid 30s to like late 30s you've you got to drink water, otherwise you start to like, decline swiftly. I can't say I remember drinking water from the age of 16 to the age of 22. Two litre bottles of iron brew was my... Uh, my <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't remember drinking water. Now it's like, oh, there's loads of water and coffee. I basically exist on that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, my wife wants me to give up uh, coffee for a bit. I'm, I'm very stressed every morning at like 8 a.m. And I'm like, oh, I have just had a liter of black espresso coffee. <laughs> she was like, can we try decaf for a week? I'm like, not next the, week after yes. The week after, yeah, the week after for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I heard yeah, you have just been sat there in silence whilst I went for a week. No, we were discussing the color of your wee, actually. What color was it? We were working out if you're hydrated or not. Oh, I'm not very hydrated today. Oh. Oh, well. As long as it wasn't the color of my hair, you're fine. Yeah, that's what that's not when you've had a Barocca. It, it, sm- it smell yeah. like sugar puffs. <laughs> well, it's not the consistency of sugar puffs. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fucking kidney stones. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, right. So back on pod talk. So, is there anything else uh, hypothetically you'd like to add to disaster that you think could take it to the next level? Um. I guess what we've all talked about is do I want to take it to the next level? So that'll be the mm. thing. A limited after its name. Um, no, I, I think I'm actually quite comfortable with the direction it's going in creatively and, and everything. Like I have, for the first time in my life, I have stock that's not online that I'm like waiting to release. I never right, did that with Banship because cool. there was always that's bills nice. to pay. So yeah. I've got like a I've got like a collection that's sitting unreleased. I've got the next collection after that and the next collection after that on order. So like I'm I'm ahead of myself. You're really far ahead, aren't you? Like amazingly far ahead. Yeah, well, this is the problem. I have to kind of stop now for like a month because if I get too far ahead, then I'll get bored. So mm, yeah. because sometimes you know what it's like, you create well, you you guys print, so maybe not. Sometimes you create stuff and by the time you get it, you're like, Well, no, I've already designed four other things. I'm waiting on the next thing coming. Mm, yeah. I forgot I did this, so I should probably Oh, I've got to release it now. And and I, I want to keep that excitement about the product, like, you know, get in hand, it feels like Christmas. Um, so I think the only thing I will be doing is just kind of like making sure that I maintain a pace where it's as enjoyable for me as it is for hopefully the people who are uh, following it. Um, and just to make some weird shit um, going into Christmas. Nice. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, what achievement are you most proud of with regards to, well, we do across your whole career, not just with disaster, I think. I honestly I don't know um sometimes I think that I won't fully appreciate the weird life that I've lived until I'm on my deathbed because the amount of weird shit that I've done or has happened to me is unfathomable fathomable fathomable sometimes like the amount of sheer just weird situations I've been in like the people I've met and stuff I think when I have conversations with people who have either directly or indirectly been inspired by something I've done or said or shared will always be the what I want to be the defining aspect of my career. T-shirts, you'll grow out with them. They'll get you know sent to a secondhand shop. They'll go in the bin. They'll get damaged, whatever. I would like to think that I've 
left the people who I've had a, the relationship with either through the through selling or whatever a little bit better for being women that you know even if that joy is just them feeling a bit more confident in their t-shirt or it's me letting them know that I struggle with mental health or it's reading the report card and seeing that oh okay it's not all clean sailing or oh this might be something that I could actually do like that for me those conversations are so valuable especially because there's been as many lows as highs for me in my career those are what keeps bringing me back and those are what I trade all the bad for like the, all the bad is worth it for those conversations that I've had especially when I was in the bars and you know if anyone's listening to this and they've met me in the bar then they'll know exactly what I'm talking about you know over drinks life stories how a particular t-shirt meant something to them or their ex-girlfriend stole their hoodie or something like that and it's just a story and there's a moment of joy and connection that's it that's the fucking that's what it's all about for me it's just and long, long may that continue as long as I'm doing this I hope that does continue um and I'm lucky touch wood I you know I had a couple of instances of that today not in person online but it's great it's a cracking answer <laughs> Sorry. That's a fucking awesome answer. <laughs> fucking, can you stop being so fucking impressive, please? <laughs> oh, Honest, um, honestly, just find some Scottish newspapers and read about how much of a cunt I am. It's fine. Like, I won't, be, I won't believe them. I won't be able to read them if they're all written in Scottish. <laughs> um, oh. you, it seems like you're a master of uh, at most things uh, in this industry. Well, not not necessarily a master, but you've not, uh, you've me. been th been through a lot of uh, stuff. But do you have any questions for us? <laughs> um, you can I, say no. That's okay. I, I no, I, I wouldn't want to say no. That's that's massively impolite. No, it's totally cool. I mean, we we had the, a, a very similar conversation. <laughs> like, I'll ask you something. Got from Huclo, and it, you got because of us. Nah. <laughs> I mean, it's it didn't help us. Scott, Scott from Hooklo, we had to record his episode twice because the first episode got lost. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then it came to the <laughs> second episode, which aired, and we were like, do you have any questions? I've not present? met, like, not mm, met nah. Scott. Scott's been going as long as I have, I think. I haven't met Yeah, him. he was friends with the Hype Boys, wasn't he? Yeah, he's at the far end of the... Well, he's not the far end of the country from me now, but he was when I was up in Scotland. It's funny, actually. Someone um, asked me the other week on social media, uh, do you still run Who Clothing or is this the only thing you do? And I sent it to him. And I was like, Who? Who? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If, I hope you find it funny. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Uh, um, I just find it so, I find that funny where someone's just like, yeah, that's the guy. He's got clothing like, uh, who is that's who? Yeah, it's who clothing. Yeah. And you, um, you, you couldn't look any less like Scott if you tried either. <laughs> I think just people, I think sometimes like these, these brands have been like, they probably followed it like 10 years ago or something when it yeah. were all in our infancy. Um, I do have a question for you. Um, what, what made you start this podcast? Was it uh, like a morbid curiosity or, <laughs> or into like the workings of, of, of brands? Is it, no, I assume it's so probably something similar to why you like the report cards. Like, um, so I, so Pav, came on board with the, the pods uh from episode 13 right from episode 13 uh, i was running the pod with a, a mate of mine before um and it was basically off the back of we were having these conversations with brands that i speak to anyway 
mm-hmm. and it was like I like talking so why not have these yeah. conversations in a podcast form sort of thing and you know I like speaking to brands I like speaking to brand owners I like fucking chatting shit and like whether that's brand owners who print their own shit or print shops or fucking fucking people who manufacture shit or whatever I just find it all interesting and I like hearing people's stories um, and we've had some fucking awesome guests on and like I think there were times like probably towards the start a bit more and even up until we decided to do a, a, a fortnightly release because we were doing episodes every week and right. I think for both me and Pav it got a bit too fucking intense and it was just like yeah, yeah it, big, it big conversations work. to have every week you know yeah like, but at one exactly. point we, we we recorded like we were trying to record two or three a week as well so we were ahead mm-hmm. and at one yeah. point we were supposed to be six episodes ahead and then within three weeks we had four we, guests cancel yeah and we were two episodes behind and then we were like we were really stressed like, about it, it. And we were like isn't sustainable yeah if it's right. causing us this much stress and we need to dial it back a bit yeah, we shouldn't, so. It shouldn't cause stress, should it? It should be something that's no, fun. Because if you're if you're stressed it's, about it, then you're not enjoying the conversation. Exactly. But it's it's conversations like with you yeah. and fucking Rob that we had in the last episode and all the episodes before that that really really make it worth it. Like, and I genuinely mean that from the bottom of my fucking heart because this yeah. is this is like my night out. This is why I'm having a beer. Like, you know, nice. this is my night out for me. It's like I've got a kid like fucking sleeping in there. Like, you know, my other half works weekends and stuff. So it's like. You know, this is this is fun for me. Yeah, you know, I get that. I, 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 if I'd known you were having a beer, I may have had one. Though I'm still struggling from the weekend, so <laughs> very much on a, right. on a on a I'll, I'll on a health kick for four you. days. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, should we do some randoms quickly then? Bro? Yeah, and then we'll are let you, you get off, mate. Are you are you ready? Have you circled some this week? Uh, no, I haven't. I'm just going to select some at random, you like just... a fucking idiot. Okay, right. Well, uh, go, go first because I've you got go my eyes. On, All right. What uh, what would be your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse? I mean, for pure style alone, it would have to be like a handheld, like either like classic bat with nails or a samurai sword, because, you know, that would look cool as fuck. Um, for actual reality, you know, I want to say like flamethrower, but the problem with so the, there's two sides of this, because the flamethrower is going to be more efficient, but it's going to run out of fucking fuel. Mm. The yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a really long pointy stick. So long can, pointy stick, I think, is the right yeah. answer. Yeah, I have to think about where the where the median of those two things are. Like, yeah. um, I don't know what it's called, but I feel like I've played it in a in a video game where it's like a stick when with like the samurai sword on the end. Like, it's got a sword on the end. Oh, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, you can yeah, get yeah. a bit of a slash and a poke. Yeah. That's what I, we want. I, I was envisioning like like, like a good Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Like a jostling stick for a second there. You'd have to have a horse with it. Yeah, no, you need a, jo- a jostling stick. You mean a joisting stick? A joisting. A jousting you, stick. You need jousting Phil stick. 60, uh, Phil 360 motion on it. It can't, yeah. Yeah. can't just be poking, it has to be slashing too. Yeah, poking and Fair. slashing. Yeah. A two-pronged approach approach with one prong. Um uh if you could live in any fictional world, which world would it be? Uh God, that is a that's a tough one. Don't want to live in anything like so. I like fantasy books, but that's all dragons and and wizards and shit. I mean, I I guess if I can live anywhere, I can be anything. So I want to pick like I don't know something with dragons where I have magic. That'd be do. That'd be great. But yeah, fair. Not not Harry Potter. Fuck that shit. Uh, like something <laughs> like weird and dark, but also not Game of Thrones. It's too much incest. Uh... <laughs> Keep it in the family. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the best gadget you own? Um, I do like a tiny microphone that I got to record reels, and that's because uh, the guys at Mash Gang had one, and it looked really fun. Is it do one of those tiny little chrome ones? Just the, yeah, it's like a tiny one. Yeah, and you, and like you're supposed to put it on your lapel, but it's, it's really it's really nice to hold. It's tactile, um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's nice. Um, yeah, probably that. Yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's not the most practical, but it's fun. Cool. Um, uh, what your who was your favorite brand? Favorite brand. Band. 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 I'm trying to think who it is according to uh, Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably going to be anything with Haley Williams. Uh, like all her oh. stuff, like um, like her solo stuff, the new album, the old album, everything's great. But like, my music taste ranges aggressively from country music. Well, it's not really that aggressive. It's it's mostly sad music, just in different levels. Country music, the original <laughs> emo, like country music is is just emo with bare hats and boots. Um, <laughs> like old old like old emo bands. Uh, new like post hardcore stuff like uh, modern baseball front bombs uh, hotelier oh god what yeah stuff like stuff like that like I, I listen to a bunch of stuff I've got a 24 hour long album at Spotify playlist called Never Not Sad that's just the saddest songs I could find there's 24 hours of them it's fucking great you need to put that up as a as a Spotify link on your on your well, actually, I've, I've been sharing it for years. Like literally, like it was. Uh, it's 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 not got loads of followers. It's got like maybe a few hundred. But like I've been, I'll share that all the time. Um, it's great. So you like both kinds of music, country and western. Yes. <laughs> uh, more country than western, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite condiment? Oh, I am um, actually I fucking love condiments. Like I have a condiment sh- uh, shelf in my fridge. Uh, hot sauce. More specifically, if I had to uh, cover it, I would go Tabasco Chipotle, the little brown one. Nice. Uh, the normal normal Tabasco is only good for Bloody Marys. Tabasco Chipotle, great on everything. Valentina, uh, which is a great all round, but especially breakfast uh, hot sauce, um, and uh, Frank's Red hot sauce because I love buffalo wings. So that's my top top three because I cannot do any less than top three. Frank's is a cracking choice. Yeah, especially the uh, wing sauce, or just if someone knows how to make. Uh, proper buffalo sauce which is just franks and a fuck ton of butter nice yeah. um are aliens real probably but we'll never see them maybe they're already here before we f- they fucking <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm on alien tiktok the at the moment like alien conspiracy tiktok and supposedly they exist so who who, who knows there's got to be something somewhere it's an infinite universe it's constantly expanding so mm infinitely everything exists so infinitely there are no aliens and also there are aliens have you watched everything everywhere all at once yes i have yeah it's great Love you haven't it. seen every darcy uh i started watching it i fell asleep uh, you should so forward, fucking good i was drunk on a saturday night you should watch it I yeah it gets it gets you probably fell asleep before it gets real real good and real real weird yeah yeah the weirder I, it gets the better it gets yeah i, I was i was it's, i was close it's a beautiful movie mm. Mm. beautiful movie yeah great it. um right final questions um if you weren't doing what you do now what do you think you'd be doing uh so i would if if i wasn't if i wanted to just disappear off the face of the planet and get a job tomorrow uh i would 100 be a delivery man i think that would be the perfect job because you i like driving 
if I get to listen to my own music, even better. Um, it keeps you fit because you're carrying boxes and you get to make people's day. It's a nice, seems like, seems like the perfect fucking job. Apart from you probably have to deal with a lot of assholes too. But yeah. everyone does. So don't yeah. get it. If you've got your headphones and it doesn't really fucking matter, does it? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think I'd want to be a UPS driver as well because I like the uniform. They're, and they have the best vans, don't they? The, the, yeah. store, the sliding door. Yeah, you, get like... to, you get to drive with the door open. Yeah. I feel, like I did, I feel like I'd look good in a pair of brown shorts. You should, you've got to do a disaster UPS crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. That could, that could definitely happen. Definitely Even happen. just nick the colorway. Like, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you think of any brands that would be good on the pod? Um... That would actually want to speak to us? <laughs> Not off the top of my head, but if I do think of someone, I will message you and I'll do a I'll do a link. I do I like uh, bringing like minded people together. So nice. leave that with me. You've asked me a lot of questions, and my brain will probably answer that in like an hour's time. So it's fine. Message Darcy. <laughs> He'll be waiting for you. So if, if this may be a this may be a <laughs> dot dot dot. I'm be setting up till four a.m. now. And if they, if they if they do do it, then you can just say at the beginning of that podcast, "This is that guy's fault." So, yeah. <laughs> this, can, this, this this can be an Easter egg in a future episode. I like it. Nice. <laughs> uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me all over Instagram. I have three accounts. Uh, me personally, if you like pictures of dogs and uh, my silly little outfits, you can follow me at Richie underscore disaster. Uh, if you want to follow the clothing line, it's disaster un- underscore incorporated. Um, or if you like to just see my artwork, it's create disasters. Uh, you can find me, uh, you can find the website um, at this is a disaster.com or this is a fucking disaster.com both valid uh <laughs> excellent <laughs> yep designed a designed a postcard that goes in orders uh they said this is a fucking disaster.com and i was like i sh- i don't own that domain i should buy that domain and now i have it it does exist <laughs> um work. and i'm on tiktok and some other shit but no one cares about that so yeah happy days yeah take it away pav <laughs> what is the meaning of life uh honestly that is the constant question that keeps me awake at night um i think it's just to have fun and exist but i can't just have fun and exist i have to create so that is your having fun and existing yeah yeah my my current goal is just to create stuff and share it that's Mm. the meaning of life for me so i don't have i don't plan on having any kids so all i got to leave behind is my doodles and that's a good problem. That's probably a good place to be. <laughs> and on that note, yeah, on that slightly sad note. Let's oh, just I've got to go listen to your your um playlist now to cheer oh. myself up. <laughs> no, really, I mean, you can you can find if anyone wants to listen to it, just search "Never Not Sad." It will come up. I guarantee it. On that amazing. <laughs> No, amazing. Rich, seriously, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yeah, no, really, 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 really appreciate it. Really yeah, appreciate it. Had a great time chatting to you. We'll um, obviously we'll tag you in that when it's coming out. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was great fun. This is the first podcast I've done since 2021. So thank you for uh, thank you for easing me back into it. I appreciate it. You're more than welcome. <laughs> right, cheers, guys. Have a great night. Enjoy your pizza. Oh, thank you. I will do. Thanks. <laughs> right, cheers. Take care. Have Thanks, a good one, mate. Bye, 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 bye.